get your toe. Believe me. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know about it. Believe me. Until I get your toe by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. hear anything? Oh, good. Because <laughs> I just queefed big time. What up? Welcome back to Uncle Rod's Story Corner. I'm your host, Narado, aka Rod for short. Hope you're feeling good. Hope you're looking good. Hope you're smelling good. Your boy just got out of the shower. Butthole coated and dove pear scented. I'm in rare form. Uh, I went out and performed this past weekend for the first time in 15 months, man. Friday night. This is outdoor show at the Good People Brewery, man. It was a good time. I was very excited. Being fully vaxxed. Dipping my toe back out there, man. Getting back to to what I what I love so much. The old stand up, and uh, very good to see my old buddies and comedian friends, man. I haven't seen in a million years, and it was fun, man. Surprisingly, there was zero rust on you, boy. I was I was wondering like if it was gonna feel kind of weird or anything. And, you know, I haven't performed since February first of last year, but. It was nice, man. It's nice. Shout out to everybody who's down at the show, man. Speaking of shows, I got a real good one coming up for you, man. I got my man Derek Moden on the show. Gamer extraordinaire. Good friend of mine. And then, of course, uh, Nashville's worst comic, Mark Anunson. Please, stay tuned. folks welcome back to uncle rod's story corner it is time for the norm report where we talk to a normal person aka a non-comedian uh me and this brother go way back long before the days of me doing comedy uh we've been friends for a while met through my man matt rayburn in the crew <laughs> he is a uh, very heavily into the anime culture and the gaming culture he Streams under the name The Phasing Octopus. Please welcome my man Derek Molden to the show. Derek, what's happening? What's happening? What's popping? Chilling, man. Chilling. Playing these video games and making weird music. Hell yeah. Derek is uh, new to the show, so 
He asked the question before things kicked off. Uh, do I need to mute my mic before I hit the bong? And I was like, absolutely the fuck not, sir. This show is all about getting it in, so please spark it up. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Let us hear that bubble. <laughs> so what's going down with you, man? Uh, just working and laying low. Uh, <laughs> the Ronies is out there. Yeah, that's that's very real. What's uh, <laughs> what's your COVID experience been like for the last year? Oh man, so um, so New Year's Eve. No, I it's even funnier for me. So my sister was in China in Beijing at art school, and um, she comes home Christmas Eve. And so she comes home Christmas Eve. Fucking New Year's comes around. I get fired the week before New Year's. <laughs> so me, the homie Andrew, um, the DJ from Blueprint. Yeah. Like, and the COVID's homies, we go to New Orleans for New Year's. And uh, we come back. And, like, I'm just hanging out. I ain't working nowhere. I end up getting hired back at the Red Month. In like February, so I'm hearing uh, like right before right before February hit. You know, what I'm saying I'm hearing stories about Wuhan and shit. And like, damn, my sister just got back from China. <laughs> <laughs> that shit crazy. And so like, uh, fucking, I started back working. The shit started going like, all right, hey, shit's real. Motherfucker shutting down. All right, so this country shut down. This country shut down. And I'm like, America just going to hang out. <laughs> it's like, this country shut down. And then, like, the last day when everything was open, like, I was at the hotel, and I was, like, the last ballet up. And, like, I ain't even complete my shift. It was so slow. Like, I look over at the supervisor, like, hey, yo, can I just bounce? Because everybody's canceled their reservations. <laughs> like, like ain't nothing happening. And so I go home and like I didn't work nowhere <laughs> until like fucking November. <laughs> so like I was at the crib collecting like all the money. <laughs> like, so I'm just building like I was like, oh, I'm finna take advantage. Like I always want like I work two jobs. Like I work at the country club and I work at the hotel. And so I was like, yo. I always wanted some free time to just make shit. <laughs> and so it was just like, yep, I'm finna just buy all the equipment I need. I made like, man, I probably dropped like six EPs. <laughs> uh, like I started my streaming shit and like uh, just been doing that. And like I started hiking and shit because <laughs> like, and then, because Red Mount Park right in the hood. Right. And so it's just like, I can, like, I go drop my mom off where she need to go to her doctor's appointment. Then I can just go hike because it's right by our house. Yeah. But uh, other than that, just in the crib, like, I just made being in the crib the thing. <laughs> 
I feel that. Yeah, it's been good for, for people who hadn't had time to create, who needed that time to create, man. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have started this podcast till this year. Yeah. If it wasn't for coronavirus. Like, I yeah, did the yeah, same yeah. thing you did. If I get everything shut down, I couldn't go do stand-up, and it was just like, buddy, it's time to get that podcast rolling. You got the time, buy the equipment, and do it. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> man, like that shit been low key a blessing. I know a lot of people been going through it, but man, yeah, that's how it works, man. COVID is always a silver lining, man. You just oh, got, you just got to find it. Yeah, a lot of people needed this time to slow down and reset and get yeah. some shit off the ground. You got to take advantage of it. Yeah, and I've been lucky enough not to catch that shit. You know, because man. I know some people that caught that shit and they was like, that ain't nothing to play with. Yeah, that's what everybody I know called it said. Because, yeah, I did the same thing. I locked it all the way the fuck down. And I, I ain't play with it at fucking all. I, I, yeah. I stopped seeing my family and everything, nigga. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, I'm in fucking quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all want to get together. That's your business. But I ain't coming. <laughs> Dr. Fauci said no. <laughs> For real, for real. Like, the only time I really left the crib was because um, my mom had, like, major surgery. So, like, I was taking her to appointments. Mm -hmm. And then, like, uh, when she actually had the surgery, like, I stayed up at the hospital with her for that week and shit. But other than that, yeah, hey, I ain't playing with that shit. I've been going to get food, get groceries, Man. and get cigarettes. That's it. <laughs> Hell yeah. 15 bucks. I go pick up my weed. <laughs> Catch y'all later. Well, Motherfuckers talking to me about doing shows. Uh, holler at me maybe next year. Man, for real. I, <laughs> I, I've had to, I had to cancel all my shows. And then, yeah. like, I didn't even play with it. Like, March hit. And they was like, well, we don't know if we still go have it. I was like, well, it's canceled in my ass. Y'all yeah, can figure yeah. out if you want to do it or not, but I ain't going to fucking feed up, my nigga. And that was that. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't before since February fucking 1st, 2020. Man. <laughs> and the shit sucks, but it's what was best. Yeah. Now I'm fully vaxxed. I might start dipping my toe back out there. <laughs> <laughs> like, you less likely to die, so it's well, going down. That's it. I'm vaxxed, you vaxxed, let's do a show. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But in the beginning, nah, I wasn't fucking with that shit. I ain't about to die for no dick jokes. Man. <laughs> <laughs> ain't a joke ever been told or a joke ever been heard that's worth dying for. That was my Facts. explanation for a whole year. It's like, it's not, it's not worth it. Like, well, it's gonna be outdoors and I don't want to perform for fucking eight people spaced out six feet either. That don't sound fun. <laughs> Man, that sounds so miserable. Sound you know, like wearing wet clothes. Yeah, everybody in there wearing masks and face shields and shit, and I eating a drink. And I'm like, this sounds like I see some shit like that. That says go home. It For don't real, say man. you need to stay and hang out. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, I didn't fuck with it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm fully back, so we'll we'll see what's popping. I'm letting more people get vaccinated. Yeah. I said I'll start stepping out in May. I got my second shot April 19th. 
Okay. okay. I was like, holla at me in May. <laughs> we'll see what's <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. So you've been thriving then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big chilling. Still broke. Big chilling, though. Hey. Like, ain't stressing. <laughs> ain't stressing about shit. <laughs> All right. I've been broke before. I ain't ever been out of the hospital on no damn ventilator. <laughs> I don't want to see Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can handle the broke part. <laughs> I can't handle the fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that don't sound like a blast at all. Yeah. First first person I knew that had it, man, he was like, he was like, I was all right after about 10 days. Was like, but it was about a three-day stretch where I couldn't even get out the fucking bed, man. I thought I was dying. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So, I need to keep doing what I'm doing. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> exactly. That does sound like, like a, fun. a chick I used to fuck with um, had that shit, and she was just like, "Man, it felt like somebody like fucking had that knee in her back the whole time." <laughs> it's like, bro, you just in the Boston crab? Like, just in your big, like, <laughs> right. Just- Spending three days in the crippler cross face out this motherfucker. <laughs> like, damn. I don't want none of that. You know, that don't sound like the flu to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I never had the flu in my life. That's the crazy shit. Like, um, I never had the flu. I caught that shit New Year's Day 2018, and I thought I was going to die. Ooh. It was the worst. It was the, I ain't never been that sick in my life. So I damn sure wasn't gonna fuck with COVID. That flu <laughs> like, um, my ass at. <laughs> so like the most major illness I've ever had is like chicken pox, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so like I take everything extremely seriously. Cause I don't wanna find out. Like I don't wanna find out. I feel you, man. I was just having that conversation the other day. I was like, man, like one of my goals in life is to never be admitted to a hospital. Yeah, because I ain't same. I ain't never had to stay in a hospital overnight. I ain't never had to be observed. The worst thing that ever happened to me, I, I broke my collarbone when I was like eight. Yeah, that's the worst thing I ever been. I ain't had no kind of surgeries, no stitches. I was like, and I I would just like to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, same for real. For <laughs> so real. Don't give me no damn new weird ass. I don't know what this disease is, but it's deadly. I don't want that shit. <laughs> Like, you want to be a lab rat and get the vaccine? Like, I'd rather be a lab rat with a vaccine than a lab rat with having a whole new damn disease the world like never seen before. <laughs> Please make me a guinea pig for the treatment. Hey. <laughs> like, make me a guinea pig is. for a vaccine. Don't make me a guinea pig, but that nigga got it. <laughs> for real, for real. Because chance is, I might be better off than you. <laughs> That's a motherfucking fact, though. I have Man. not fucked around with coronavirus at all. And, and then, like, working in a hotel, man, you see the people that's, like, the anti-mask motherfuckers. And so it's just, it's just like, dog, you really out here. Like, I'm going to have to kill you if the zombie thing pop off in real life. Because you're going to do it wrong. And I don't want to, you know what I'm saying, got to mitigate risk. Yeah. That's yeah. That's something we saw. Like we don't need a zombie apocalypse to kick up. We've already seen that we are going to be overrun in America in, oh, in yeah. two days. 
because people are not, they're gonna be like this shit is turning people to zombies and they're gonna be like well I got the freedom to not wear a mask like you are going to be the living dead motherfucker <laughs> like, well I'm gonna catch it then that's God's plan that's God's plan <laughs> man oh my goodness man dog hey they really man motherfuckers really just be like yeah no God's a huge dick and he meant it for me <laughs> right you that's your daddy cool <laughs> it's too weird though I, I don't understand the logic it's like if you if you think that god is gonna save you from this disease when he uh assassinated his own son <laughs> <laughs> like like just to make sure you're cool i'm gonna kill my kid right like he killed his only but god's son to save your life you think he won't let you die? <laughs> For real. Like, I mean, last time I checked, my Bible said that when uh, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was like, Why must I do this? Can Dad, can you please like let them keep burning sheep entrails on an altar? Why I got to get beat to death? And God was like, ah, You got to do it. <laughs> you tell like, me but you made God. everything, you made the rules. <laughs> You telling me that guy is like I gotta make sure James Wilson doesn't die of COVID, but he gonna let his kid get stomped the fuck out on some world Yo. star shit. No, bled the fool. No, they was really smoking on Jesus pack for real, like big time. So, nah, you better put a fucking mask on, nigga. Like this is saying this is saying God that let babies be born dead. And you think he gonna protect you from some disease? Let's not, let's not get mixed up in the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Let's not. Man. You won't believe in God and, and all that. That's that's great. I'm all for it. But please don't try to apply the logic of God to. He gonna make sure he gonna protect me from this disease. Like he let a little kid die of leukemia yesterday. He not gonna protect you from no damn COVID. It don't work like, like that. Sorry, man. You on the low end of the totem pole. <laughs> yeah, shit is ridiculous, man. The 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 defense I've seen why you should not. It, it would be different if you had to do something special to yeah. protect yourself from COVID. All they was like, well, stay your ass in the house and put on a mask and wash your hands. And motherfuckers was like, I have not got eight months to train to protect myself from COVID. Like, you just got to put a mask on, my nigga. That's it. Duh. I can't do it. <laughs> and the beauty and the beauty of capitalism is there's a fucking mask for any type of style you want to rock. <laughs> right. It's like, yo, you can look cool. You can match it to your interests or like, your outfit. <laughs> like, for real. They got the glass, plastic, cloth. Like, it's, they Duh. got you covered. You can look like you in Cyberpunk, or you can look like a Mortal Kombat character. You can wear a mask with Jesus on it. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Bruh, like, with nah. the fucking Last Supper on your mask, dog. Full-blown Da Vinci, you know? <laughs> and they're just like, nope, I'm just going to keep going to church. And we're going to keep coughing in each other's mouths to show how desperate we It's like, you, all you niggas about to die. He <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Ted Nugent caught that shit, and this motherfucker caught it, and then gave an interview talking about how yeah, it's the worst thing ever had to me. I thought I was gonna die, but I still believe it's a hoax. <laughs> like you fucking idiot. Like fam, wait. <laughs> and that's the funny shit too. Like 
You really, you really hung up on it being a hoax, but <laughs> motherfuckers dying. Like you caught the shit and still don't believe in it. What are you talking about right now, Ted? What did COVID hey, you do to your now. brain? <laughs> like, <laughs> this motherfucker really said you should still not wash your hands, wear a mask, or social distance. But I did catch it, and I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> like, bro, come on, man. <laughs> What they say? That's a misuse of his platform. Big time. <laughs> it's it's amazing to watch like that side of people to see like how easy it is to take advantage of fools. Man, look like all those people from Fox News are fully vaccinated and they're telling people coronavirus ain't <laughs> that serious. And these motherfuckers is like they know those people are vaccinated and they're still with them when they say you shouldn't get vaccinated. Like you're right. This dude that's got three shots in him is right. We should not get vaccinated. <laughs> man, that shit is wild, man. Like, and that fucking second Borat movie made that shit, like, that shit, like, slapped that shit in everybody's face. It's like, hey, man, these people stupid. Like, actual, factual stupid. Like, textbook. <laughs> like, like, real scientifically, clinically diagnosed stupid. Man, it's a shame and a shock. <laughs> it's a shame and a shock, man. I didn't know it could be that easy to take advantage of people. It's like they just let them scream it in their face. Like after they stormed the Capitol, like the they allowed was, treason. The niggas was dead ass sitting in jail complaining. Like, hey, I just did what the president said. Do why he came to bail me out? Yeah, like nigga, the president is not going to the president. He doesn't coming know to bail who you, you are. Out. <laughs> Bro, like that shit funny too, cause y'all supposed to be like, ah, oh, we are the super patriot motherfuckers, America. You just committed treason against America, dumbass, and, like, and beat up cops. Blue the biggest patriots in America and the blue lives matter crowd <laughs> stormed the Capitol and beat a cop to death. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> And I was watching, I was at work watching that shit. Like, I walk out of the valet room, I look over at the TV, and I go, oh, shit. These motherfuckers. Oh, they they passed the steps, nigga. <laughs> oh, they letting them do this shit. Crazy. Oh, this is, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought it was, I thought this like, shit was happening in Peru or some shit, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, that's America? Are you serious? That's not Pakistan or some shit. That's the that's the capital of this country. Being overrun by people who are screaming we are patriots as they literally destroyed the Capitol building. <laughs> Bro. Deface fucking like priceless artifacts. They marched the fucking Confederate flag through the halls of the Capitol. That didn't even happen during the Civil War. <laughs> Bruh, <laughs> I was like, yo, like, this is literal treason now. <laughs> like, this is double. Like, y'all just doubled down on that shit. <laughs> like, I niggas getting believe. bonus points. I could not believe it. And then had our armies, like, standing by, told them not to do anything about it. I was like, nigga, if that was a Russian, if that was one Fair. Russian dude, he would have been shot It'd be calling by a million Marines. <laughs> The Marines so, stormed the fucking capital and took and tore that one Russian dude to pieces. 
Man. Like, that was real, factual, high treason, Benedict Arnold shit. No. <laughs> uh, it was great to see, too. Oh, it was yeah. it was entertaining TV. Yeah. It was it was monumental. I was watching that shit just like Trump them in the tent with the TVs on. <laughs> <laughs> Man. That motherfucker is hilarious. Very. The way he left the day uh, Joe Biden was supposed to be inaugurated, the way he just bounced. Like, just dipped that. <laughs> like, he just bounced. He took his ball and like, went home. Fam. <laughs> he's like, I'm heading to Florida. Fuck y'all. Like you not going to overturn the election with him? You know what? Fuck it. I'll just leave <laughs> now. <laughs> Stop the steal. Stop the motherfucker steal. They tried to stop the steal by breaking into the Capitol and stealing shit. <laughs> <laughs> the motherfuckers was walking around with the podium off the Senate floor screaming, Stop the steal. Like, nigga, you stealing. <laughs> man, I just love how America like just became a parody of itself, man. Yeah. Big time. Like that shit's beautiful. Cause it's free entertainment. Yeah. You can't buy that kind of shit. <laughs> you can't buy that kind of shit, man. That was no. That was a wild day. Like I was in shock because it was like, it was like a real shock to the system. Like I, fe- I felt kind of like those people in Hiroshima when they when the fucking bombs started dropping. Like this was yeah. like some war zone shit. Because I was like, I was out in Avondale Park, just cooling. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, it was just man. a normal Wednesday. I had met up with my man Rivers Langley and Nick Thomas, and we sat out in the park, did some podcasting. We was just having a good old time, man. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. I got in the car and looked at my phone. I was like, holy shit, what is happening? <laughs> like, I'm man. out here feeding ducks and cracking jokes, and these motherfuckers are like, hey, the Capitol's being stormed. I'm like, who's here? <laughs> It was like uh, people from Arkansas. Like, what? <laughs> Fam. When they called the motherfuckers from Alabama, dog. That shit was so funny. When bro was like, when the was like, uh, he either said, I was, I've been expecting you, or like, it took y'all long enough, some shit like that. I was like, damn. You, you thugging. You thugging. <laughs> Yeah, I'll never forget January 6, 2021, man. It was a wild, like, I I thought the year was going to kick off with a little normalcy, you know? Like, I was waiting for 2021 to hit because I just wanted to hurry up and get away from the fucking day in and day out craziness yeah. of 2020. I was like, let's, it's like the shit that, that Trump has lost, he's lost the lawsuits and shit. I think everybody on both sides of the aisle should just take the first couple weeks of 2021 and just press the pause button. Everybody just decompress. Whether yeah, you're liberal, whether you're conservative, let's just cool out and just go and get to this fucking, just wait till after Joe Biden's been inaugurated and then everybody kick your shit back up. And these motherfuckers can give us a week, though. We couldn't even get to the fucking eighth, the fucking sixth kickoff. Duh. And these motherfuckers started burning shit outside on the Capitol steps in America like it was 1860. <laughs> it was like this and they was out there for some hours. Like, all day? They was out there 
all day. Them niggas took flights and, they just, and got hotels and got up at the crack of dawn, had continental <laughs> breakfast at the Hyatt. And Bruh. by 6.30, these motherfuckers was at the Capitol ready to get shit cracking. <laughs> Damn. And then, like, and then they like, ah, oh, we got to do the investigation. Got to find out who who was in on it and all that. Bruh. Blowing my mind. <laughs> Bruh, it was cops in the crowd. <laughs> like my mind is still blown that like like every day you see on like Twitter and Facebook and shit that like like our all of our intelligence agencies and federal law enforcement found Saddam Hussein in a goddamn foxhole in the middle of Iraq nowhere. Motherfuckers found uh Osama bin Laden in a fucking cave and then tracked this nigga to a trap house. Somewhere in Pakistan, <laughs> but these niggas is posting on Twitter. Hey, can you can you help us identify these people in these pictures from the cap? Like these niggas is posting, they geotagging themselves in pics on Facebook from Just go to their Facebook page. You can identify them. What the fuck you mean? You need our help to find some nigga in South Carolina who was at the Capitol. How the no. hell did you niggas trap Saddam Hussein down? But you can't track down a nigga who tagged himself smiling in photos from South Carolina like I'm at the Capitol tearing shit up. <laughs> and that's why Twitter and Reddit too powerful, man. <laughs> the motherfuckers are like, hey, oh, this motherfucker work over here at the Starbucks? Like, yo. Seriously, when they got that bartender from Nashville who was the nigga with the zip ties and he was there with his I was like, I know that dude, man. <laughs> like, I know that nigga. Hey, they was maskless out there. Like that dude had served me drinks before. I was like, I can't believe that the 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 biggest terrorist they showing the nigga who looked like he was up to the most no good is a nigga I know. That's insane. Oh man, but yeah, no, nah, like living in the south though, right? Living in the fucking south though. <laughs> living in the south. That's the thing. That's and the thing about the South that killed. people still believe in, like, they're very civilized in the South. So that's yeah. that's why the racism is hitting so well. Like, you didn't find out yeah. until Trump got elected how many of the most normal, gentle, loving white people you've ever known your whole life were closet fucking clan members. <laughs> like, like, oh, dude. <laughs> I went to the country club for 12 years. <laughs> like, Boy, 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 boy. I bet they was just as cordial when you was out nah. there. Just as cool. Yeah, no, nah, you sweet. know. They want to know what they want to know what you're up to, what you read, <laughs> all that shit. <laughs> just as nah, nice. They see that nigga on Facebook in 2017. Like, I think cops should kill more black people. Like, what? Man. This dude buys me lunch every day. <laughs> dude. And so, like, I valet. And so, like, I, you know what I'm saying? I'm in their cars. How they listen to his Fox and shit? Like, listen to them AM Christian radio stations. <laughs> Talk about God fucking brought Donald Trump to me. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. All that shit was a money grab. <laughs> Motherfuckers got paid. Big time. That shit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I go to I go to a thrift store on the east side of Birmingham that all they do 
is blast one of those AM Christian talk radio stations. <laughs> and all they be talking, you end up looking at used pants and shit, and all you hear is mother like, God wants Donald Trump to be president, and it's Satan that got Biden elected to the, like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to shop for some pants, bro. Can you not make me yeah. listen to this? Like, this is a fucking... It's a Salvation Army, my nigga. Like, I thought y'all was supposed to be the nicest, most... They're like, yes, I mean, if you homeless, we'll help you out, but I hate black people. <laughs> like, dog. Like, I really wanted this button up, but <laughs> And it's loud, too. Like, ain't no escaping this shit, though. Soon as you walk in that motherfucker, it's just like, yeah, I think God wants Donald Trump to be president again. We got to rally around him for 2024. Like, bro, I'm just trying to get some boots. <laughs> <laughs> I just want some boots, man. God damn. I'm trying to indoctrinate a nigga. Put that shit in your headphones. Yeah. You know, don't make everybody in the store listen. It's black people and Hispanic people and Asian people working in here. Don't, they don't need to be here. this shit. That shit like, uh, what's it called, Bioshock Infinite almost. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just straight up, pro- just old school propaganda. <laughs> just a straight up cult work camp shit. Dog. <laughs> like, I can't crazy. imagine what it's like to be a minority working at a place like that where they're all like trying to teach you like do unto others as you would have them do unto them and you just working, trying to get a check, get your life together and the whole time you have to listen to people coming through the speakers just all for your demise and destruction. <laughs> oh, miserable. That's a fucking, fucking miserable. <laughs> I like, how could you not become radicalized, right? Yeah. Like, how do you become a <laughs> self-hating minority? This is them trying to put you in your place through the loudspeaker. Oh. <laughs> America turnt, boy. America so turnt. <laughs> yeah. Because I've noticed, like, every time you go somewhere to get your oil changed or some shit, you go in that waiting room. It's Fox News. Oh, I yeah. got Fox News on the TV. Like, my nigga, I'm just no. trying to get my tires rotated. I don't... The hotel. The hotel used to be like that. Um, <laughs> like, one of the owners, he's like, hey, look, nah, it got to be on Fox News, man. <laughs> and it's like, look, dog. <laughs> I'll settle for fucking ESPN. Like, please, <laughs> can't we not just... Just put it on fucking C-SPAN if you want to. <laughs> for Anything, real, for but real. But you just letting everybody know, I picked the side. And uh, clan members are welcome in my NTB. Who on that but the clan get oil changes at this Honda dealership? <laughs> like, bro, ain't no cartoons on or nothing. Like, you can't just be <laughs> neutral. God damn, dog. It's just, it's just an oil change place. You ain't got to try to change nobody's mind in here. Just put it on Looney Tunes, bro. Like, nah, it's Fox News all the time. <laughs> yeah, nah, we need people on our side. It's us versus them. It's so weird, man. Shit is bananas, though. It's so subtle, but also so very <laughs> overblown. <laughs> yeah, nah, like, I hate that uh, fucking, what that shit, they live? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I hate that that shit exists, because it's just like, it's there. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's like. Between coronavirus and Donald Trump, a lot of relationships have changed forevermore after we come out of all this shit. 
Oh, yeah. Because just like you found out there were a bunch of closet racists, you found that there were a lot of closet dumb people in your life <laughs> who have just been all over the internet. Like, I don't think COVID is real, and, and, oh, man. and I'm, not, I'm not getting the vaccine, and the only way we can be friends is if you go spit in my mouth every day. It's just like, I got to stop Bro. talking to you when this is all over with. We can't be friends no more. Jesus Christ. And being like... Like, and being, like, in the art scene and, like, the music scene, it's just like, bro, they out here, like, them conspiracy theories, motherfuckers. <laughs> Living it up, dude. And, you it just, up. Yeah. and that shit, like, it make you not want to, like, uh, communicate with a lot of people. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just be like, fam. you really can't be this slow. Because <laughs> I remember, man, Every time I would meet up with this one artist, uh, we get into a conversation about like vaccine, and they like anti-vaccine. I'm just like, but we got, we got the vaxes, <laughs> right? We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? Okay, that's always the weirdest <laughs> thing to me about anti-vaxxers. Like you were raised in the world of vaccinations, like. Basically, what you're saying is you don't want your kid to have the same protections as you do. That's all yeah. you're saying. All you're saying is, listen, I got vaccinated when I was a child and everything's cool. And then you grow up and you're like, I don't think children should be vaccinated. It's like, why do you want children to die of disease that you've been inoculated against? <laughs> Especially when you are a parent yourself. It's like, that's so fucking weird to me, man. It's so insane. Man. It's like wearing a seatbelt, but not letting anybody else in your car wear one. It's just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, I and think seatbelts are stupid. And you out here getting jumps and shit. <laughs> seatbelts are you stupid, drifting. and they don't save lives, and they cause more harm than good, and, and they shouldn't be able to force me to wear a seatbelt. So no seatbelts in my car. But why are you wearing yeah, your seatbelt? Yeah, but seat watch belt? out for this green shell. Don't worry about me wearing my seatbelt. You just don't wear yours. <laughs> 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 shit ridiculous, man. I know so I've seen so many of those people rising up through the ranks though the last couple years. It's yeah. just like you are vaccinated, motherfucker. Why do you think vaccines are so awful? It didn't do it to you. Fucking shit's crazy. They fucking kids got some disease a motherfucking had since seventeen oh one. They want you to feel sorry for them. Damn. And contribute to their GoFundMe. Like <laughs> Wait, why do you, uh, why the fuck your kid got scurvy, motherfucker? It's not fucking bruh. What year is this? You don't feed this motherfucker some fruit. <laughs> How the fuck your kid get the scurvy, nigga? <laughs> 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 Shit outrageous. I saw some some girl I think this was in Nashville. Her her kid just died the other day. She said she had a kid on a Strict on a, a a biblical vegan diet. I was like, get the fuck out, put her under the fucking jail, <laughs> bury her ass for the next thousand years in the penitentiary. Fucking <laughs> man, it's twenty twenty one. A biblical vegan diet, like where the fuck you even get that from? <laughs> where? Like who who scoured? the fucking Bible to go, yeah, nah, this how they ate though. Right. Like what? Last time I checked in what, the, you, in the Old Testament, they did talk about uh not eating pork or animals with clothing hooves. They didn't just say no meat. 
Fucking yeah. Just eat grass. They didn't say that shit. <laughs> uh, it was just like, you can't eat this meat, but you can eat that meat. And this motherfucker that killed her kid on a biblical vegan. Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> so ridiculous. That motherfucker needed beans. So ridiculous. That motherfucker needed some chicken nuggets, man. Something. That's all that kid wanted. Anything. Some goddamn chicken nuggets. Shit is wild, man. I still firmly believe that you should have to get a license to procreate. Man. I don't know why we that's don't smart. Do that. That's smart as fuck. <laughs> I don't know why like, we don't make You need to you need to complete some training. So, you know what I'm like, saying? All the training and license you gotta do so much regular shit, but anybody can just have a fucking baby. That's child abuse. <laughs> For real. That's child abuse. Like you should Especially have to pay like veil. And take some courses, and it, it should be harder to have a child than it is to buy a house. Yeah, like you should yeah. have to go through the no, same process. You need a background check. You need to have saved up uh, forty thousand dollars. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? You got to get psych eval, take some child rearing classes, something. It shouldn't be as simple as well. We had sex, so boom, I'm a parent now. Yeah, like, yeah. Jesus Christ! Like that nigga that just blew up eighty pounds of tannerite. In New Hampshire, the goddamn what's it, gender reveal party. I was like, I Sam. hope I hope he's an uncle or something, because he's the reason you should have to have a license to have a child. If that's that child's father, who thought <laughs> you know what would be a good idea? Let's blow up eighty fuck. It takes two pounds of tannerite to make a gender reveal bomb. This motherfucker blew up eighty pounds of the shit. He shouldn't get to have children. <laughs> nah, shit caused an earthquake. That shit happened in New Hampshire, and it rattled people's houses as far away as Massachusetts. Why you need an explosion like that, though? I don't, every time I see a gender reveal accident, I'm like, bro, you're going to get the same reaction as if you just text everybody, it's a girl. Like, nobody... You know what I'm saying? Nobody needs you to do all this weird... Sh- nobody should die at a gender reveal party. No, like, just <laughs> cut the cake, and the cake got the color. That's as far you know as you should it's yeah, we should have went with. At least everybody get some cake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Instead of everybody getting a trip to the fucking hospital. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's another nigga. Throw him under the fucking jail. Eighty pounds of tannerite, nigga. That's yeah. You ain't making gender reveal bombs. You making real bombs. Hey, they really should like lock you up based on how stupid your crime is. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a fact. Hey, I'm with that. I think there's a certain level of stupid that should get you euthanized. Because I don't think people should have to deal with you in society. You shouldn't yeah, be able no, to walk right. amongst the people. Like, if, if somebody's willing to blow up 80 pounds of Tannerite at a fucking yeah. gender reveal, imagine how dumb he is in every other situation that people have known him every day. You shouldn't have to yeah. deal with people like that. You got to put niggas That's like true. that down. <laughs> That's dangerous. Man. That explosion cracked the foundation of some people's houses, and he set that shit off at a rock quarry. Like he he knew it was gonna be so big, so they decided the safest place to blow up all this shit would be at a quarry, and then it still knocked the pictures off people's walls miles away, and had them calling the cops and cracked their foundation. Like man, put that nigga down, man. Ain't no rehabilitating somebody that stupid. Don't let him walk free no. amongst us. <laughs> I'd be mad as fuck. I'd be mad as fuck. Like, yo, like you just knocked over a whole bunch of shit in my house because you wanted motherfuckers to know that your baby 
like genitals was one or the other. <laughs> right. Sweet. <laughs> it ain't worth it. It can't be worth it. It can't be worth it. It's like when people be giving those something. MTV, my super sweet 16 part is the one-year-olds. It's like, bro, it, it's not, that's, that's, that's <laughs> too, nobody needs to see that. No. And then, like, <laughs> the baby don't even, don't even know what's happening. Because Tannerite, is like $10 a pound. So, if this nigga blew up 80 pounds, if that means he spent, before taxes, $800. Why? You could have just had a bomb-ass house party for $800. Cause this Why? ain't even counting the rest of the shit they did at the party, but just 800 on Tannerite? Bro, you know, you can have a bomb-ass house party for $200. I can buy so many synthesizers for $800. <laughs> this nigga bought 800 He just basically took $800 and set it on fire. Damn. For a gender reveal. Like, nigga, are you crazy? Hey, people goofy, man. It don't take eight hundred dollars to have a party at fucking Chuck E. Cheese. No, <laughs> and that's no. the best party any child could have until they turn fucking fourteen. And you a nice cake costs twenty five dollars. Explosives. A solid cake costs twenty five dollars. Eight hundred dollars, you can build a bar at your house. You can have Man. the most bomb ass house party with eight hundred dollars. That anybody's ever That's seen. That's gonna be crazy. And this nigga set off a bomb with it <laughs> for a gender reveal. Yeah, not a graduation party. Nothing that needed anything special attached to it, other than a fucking balloon that's pink or blue. It's crazy. Forever. All to be like, it's a boy. I hope that child turns fourteen and says, "I'm a girl." So bad. That's why. That's why your eight hundred dollars hey. went to nigga. This is your kid ain't even a up. boy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Smack his shit up. <laughs> Fuck him all the way up. <laughs> Tell that nigga as soon as possible. I'm actually a girl. <laughs> <laughs> you in prison for nothing, ass. nigga. You in prison for no fucking reason. I ain't even a boy. <laughs> 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 Man, I can just see it every day. You stupid <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta bury that dude in prison, man. I say, I, I say, put him down. I, yeah. I think you gotta put. I say, you you go through his insurance, sell all his possessions, whatever you gotta do, but pay for all the damage he caused to those people's houses, and then put that nigga in front of a firing squad. <laughs> he shouldn't get to walk around in society being that fucking stupid. <laughs> If you could crack a foundation of a house that ain't next door to that quarry, then he could have killed everybody in that motherfucker. Yeah. With that explosion. No, like... <laughs> that could have been a mass murder situation. Real deal. He a yeah. damn terrorist. He yeah. went from making a gender reveal fucking explosive to being a real 80 pounds of tannerite. That's insane, man. Stupid as shit. And don't nobody just go... And don't nobody just go, why... Why that much? <laughs> right. What you going out like? You buying the shit? <laughs> that don't seem right. Because people use tannerite for like firearm training. Because like okay. you can't even light, like you can't light it on fire. It ain't that type of explosive. That's why he had to use so much to set it off so big. Because tannerite, uh-huh. you shoot it, and then okay, pop, it gives a little pop, little smoke. 
People yeah. use it for shoot training. And they, they came in at about 80 pounds. They're like, nigga, you training a militia or something? What the hell are you doing out there? <laughs> nah, my my fiance pregnant. <laughs> you know what I'm we going to do it big. Huh, real big. Maximum security big. <laughs> no. Fucking idiot. <laughs> I could never talk to that nigga again. <laughs> he did some shit like that. Huh. Like, he really wanted to be like a Batman villain or some shit. <laughs> right. He got the, he got the Tannerite stacked up like that pile of money the Joker <laughs> set on fire. That <laughs> Bring me the bat. And here we go. <laughs> it's a boy. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like mushroom cloud. Motherfucker watching Jeopardy. <laughs> House get rocked. Crack the foundation, man. That is insane. Expensive. Wild expensive. Yeah. Expensive. Go, go sell all that nigga shit and then just bury him alive. <laughs> <laughs> like, y'all might literally have to sell his organs. <laughs> shit, too much, man. Shit is too much. I'm telling people where they can find you online, bro. Uh, so you can find me on Twitch at the Phasing Octopus. You can find me on Instagram at the Phasing Octopus. Bandcamp the Phasing Octopus. Uh, Twitter Phasing Octopus because the Phasing Octopus was too long for Twitter. Some bullshit. <laughs> but fuck that. But uh, music everywhere the Phasing Octopus. Um. I'm out here doing the thing. Cool. I appreciate you coming on the show, Big Dope. Man, it's good. It's good talking to you, man. It's been a minute. folks welcome back to uncle rod story corner it is time for your main guest the main event uh this is a comedian i've done a couple shows with uh back in nashville when i first got to town i met him uh he's kind of boring i don't know how exciting this episode will be let's just jump right into it is mark anunson marky Uncle Rod, it's great to be here <laughs> on what will probably be your last episode because viewership is, is it viewership on a podcast? What do you call it? You call it listenership. Listen- it's a made up word. <laughs> yeah, listenership. It's it's gone. It's over. You thought you lost a lot with the Brett Brock episode. This, this is the death coffin. Death coffin? Death nail. The death nail. <laughs> Or is that a band, Death Nail? I think that's a band. Death Coffin sounds like a band in itself. <laughs> Death Coffin sounds like something I really want to move towards as soon as possible. I just, <laughs> I, I'm done. I've lived. I've lived enough. Not in a bad way. I'm not negative. Not it just. I get it. You know, I get it. Things have run their course. I, I just want to lie down for a little bit. You know, I've lived a very bland existence. You know. 
it, it's it's fine. It happens. <laughs> Speaking of but, death coffins, oh yeah, uh, we were we were talking earlier about some things you might have to handle before you die. And yeah, I don't. We were talking about your last name, and you just found out you've been mispronouncing it your whole life. <laughs> yeah, so technically it's Anninson, right? <laughs> but I've been saying, you know, my dad told me it was a Nunson. My mom, that's what we just thought it was a Nunson. But you know, we didn't. We weren't close to any of our relatives. And then uh, come to find out, it's everybody else with the same last name says Anninson. So <laughs> we're either like really cool or just the dumbest part of this family tree. <laughs> just like, just like a stump on the family tree that won't grow. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. And then but, to top it all off, you found out that not only have you been mispronouncing your own last name, you also found out that your last name is misspelled on the deed to your house. <laughs> Yes, and we probably shouldn't put that on the internet because I don't want somebody trying to figure out how to steal my house from me. <laughs> but this isn't a, this isn't a recent finding. This is something I've known since 2012, so I've had ample time. <laughs> I, I need to fix this at some point, uh, or I'm just going to fully refinance the house for as much as they'll they'll give me, and just make payments the rest of my life, so I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> Let the bank sort it out. I get it. Yeah, I was like, if you're going to take my house, I I, oh, I, I own 0% of it. <laughs> Go ahead and take it. I've got a refi loan. I've got the money already. Yeah, take that money and then just say you're in the house under squatters, right? Like, look at look at my ID. Oh, that's I'm true. Not, that's not my name on the deed. <laughs> you had to take Squatter, it up with yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just stop paying. They'll never get me out of the house. Yeah, take it up with Mark Anacino. <laughs> that's not me. I'm Mark Anunson. Actually, I'm Mark Anunson, but that's another story. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't even know how to pronounce. They got my name so wrong on the title. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, too. <laughs> what's your What's your family heritage? Maybe they just somehow figured it out and they went back to the old spelling. <laughs> yeah, the, it's probably the only place it's actually right anywhere. <laughs> it's the one person who did their job said, no, this is really his last name. I, <laughs> I don't know much about my family heritage. Like, um, I know like my, maybe it was my great grandmother came over from Finland, but my last name isn't Finnish. It's more, I think it's Norwegian, mm-hmm. but you know, all that part of Europe that just, you know, they all look the same. They, I don't, I don't want anything to do with those people. <laughs> I, I've, like aband- true American. <laughs> I've abandoned them as my, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's how that's how that's how we do it in this country. Everybody everybody just brands themselves American and they just don't give a fuck about anything else that happened before their family were on these shores. Yeah. Really, yeah now where's your family from? Uh, someplace I'm never going to visit. You know? <laughs> South Carolina. Like no, but like originally uh, South Carolina. <laughs> My family lineage doesn't start until 1937. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have no history prior to that. My my grandfather was married to a grapefruit, and that's how the <laughs> that's how the family started. Oh, so how how have things been going for you this last year? How's your quarantine going? Absolutely terrible. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Next question. <laughs> so I are, I work from home already, even before the pandemic. So 
I loved after working from home all day, going out, go to an open mic, meet friends. So it's really been hard to have to work at home all day and then not do anything at night. And I haven't done anything. I I did one show in the middle of the pandemic when things were like, hey, you know, it's summertime, things are getting better. And I, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have even done that show. I, I regret it immensely. I think I made $75. <laughs> I could have died, but I would have died with seventy five dollars, <laughs> and, and my wife would have got kicked out of her out of her home because she didn't own it. <laughs> but like, you know, we tried to do a good job. We tried to be social distance, and like it worked out well. We had a little space for the comics, separate from the audience. And then the one thing I didn't realize: as soon as the show was over, everybody was there, had a great time. They just walk right up to you, and this is it. <laughs> This is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I don't know if you're familiar with Murfreesboro much, Rod. Oh, yeah. But uh, apparently nobody there believed the virus was real at all. So it's just like, <laughs> people are trying to hug you, shake your hand, you know, give you a sip of their beer. I'm like, I like, I just want to go home. I can believe that. When I first showed up to Nashville, that's what, that's where I moved to in the beginning. When I showed up in 2014, Murfreesboro. It was like me and DJ. It was like me, DJ Buckley. <laughs> And I think Chuck Anderson lived out in Murfreesboro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were the Murfreesboro that. crew. So it's some, I'm very well-versed in Murfreesboro and completely can believe and attest to, yeah, they, nobody there would believe the virus was real. <laughs> I remember, I lived in Murfreesboro for a couple of years. I remember after I moved out, like, they tried to build, like, a, a mosque. Is that missing that right? A mosque? Mm-hmm. Islamic center type thing and people were like shooting at it like shooting at an empty building that they were building <laughs> I was like I, I, I'm glad I got out of here like, are you chasing the squirrels away <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're so mad they're so mad that a, another religion may exist that we must shoot the, the building <laughs> outrageous are you peeing? That sounds like, oh, that's just pouring water. Well, you do have to ask that question on this podcast, but uh, yeah, I, this this time around, um, I poured a little more Dr. Pepper into this whiskey. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's too late in the day to pee that hard, to be honest with you. That was a, that'd be a morning. If you're peeing that hard at 4.30 in the afternoon, you, gotta, you better go talk to somebody about that. <laughs> Your bladder is tired as hell if you're peeing that hard in the afternoon. Yeah, but I, I feel you on that on that thing about your pandemic experience. Like, I was doing the same thing. I wasn't working from home, but, like, I was just doing comedy. So, I didn't do anything during the daytime. I left home at night and hung out and went to bars and did comedy and shit. So, that's, like, the only thing that is ruined for me. But, I mean, it's a lot. That's what the, yeah. that's all, like, the daytime Stay at home thing. I was like, yeah, I'm good on that. What else you got? <laughs> right, yeah. that part's easy. But yeah, I, yeah, I, staying at home. My wife, she works in like a dental clinic, mm-hmm. so um, especially early on, you know, they got spit flying all over the place. She's right. got to be really extra careful. And it's like I'm not so worried about myself getting COVID. Right. Like, but I I would feel terrible if like for some reason I got it. Didn't have the symptoms. I can't say asymptomatic. That's yeah, a hard word. For you me. said it. You hit it right. I said it. I'll never say it right again. <laughs> but like in my mind, it's like she brings it home. I get it. And then I go hang out with people or do whatever. And then I give it to all them. And, right. you know, if one of those people died, I would feel terrible. Yeah. That, right? that's, so, that's the whole 
that's what the most dangerous thing about this whole thing is being that people don't seem to understand. Like that's the big deal about it. You can be asymptomatic, but that doesn't mean you're not contagious. And that's where the right. problem lies. People who think I feel great, so I'm gonna go out, and it's just like you, know, you just killed sixty people. <laughs> exactly. And my wife is in an environment where it's high risk. You know, right. even though she did like everything she could to not bring it home. Right? They have all these PPE stuff, and she changes. She leaves all that stuff at work. You just never. It's not worth the risk. Yeah, it, it that might be not. the highest risk job there is. Like, it really is one of them. Because like, when they put that drill in like your, your mouth, the whole thing is being in people's mouths, which is spit. where this disease is coming from. Spit goes everywhere. <laughs> I wish I knew that before. Like, I, I would maybe I wouldn't have married her if I knew she was around so much spit all day. You know, like I don't, <laughs> I don't need this in my life. You know, I should have researched it better. But that's, I mean, that's, that's good that you can, you've been working from home. You could, you know, still work. Yeah. And at first, like, it was great because I was walking like four or five miles a day. My work was so busy and the weather was nice. And I was like in good shape feeling it. And then winter came and, you know, gained all that weight back. <laughs> plus, plus, like, not just gained it back, not just pre pandemic weight. Like, I'm, I've gone way ahead. I'm like Bitcoin. Look, look at the Bitcoin chart and my weight chart. It's just, it's just like wow, went way up the last month. It's peaking. Disgusting. <laughs> peaking. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for Bitcoin to drop. I'll probably lose some weight. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's something else I lost too. I got a gym membership in January of 2020. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. Was going went for about four or five weeks. And then I had to cancel that membership. <laughs> so there was a point in the pandemic where my gym opened back up and I would go at seven in the morning and there'd just be me and one other dude there. And I'm like, okay, I'll do this. He did the weights and I did the treadmill right. and there's the only people in the whole gym. But then other people started showing up and I just said, I'm not, I'm, I'm waiting till it's over. <laughs> Yeah, I bought an exercise bike yesterday, and I got a couple, oh, yeah? got a couple dumbbells a couple months ago. So yeah, I get the what you would consider a home gym, I guess, popping now. I'm gonna have to come yeah, down there. We'll have to get a workout in together. Yeah, because this uh, this this quarantine weight thing, you you know, we're all struggling with that, buddy. Because it, this whole pandemic, like, time is now. You're either you're just you're eating, you're snacking, or you're sleep. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. That's what time is now. <laughs> and it's weird. Like my work got busy again the last few months, and then that's that's extra stress. It's like, oh, and so now I'm eating. You know, stress eating. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for this to be over. So I'm hopefully I get my shot soon. I'm old, so hopefully I get the shot <laughs> before too long. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping to get in on that action too, man. Like. It's not going to send me back out into the world immediately, but I'd right. feel a lot better if I could go ahead and get immunized. Exactly. <laughs> then in a couple months, I'll feel more comfortable maybe doing an outdoor show because I haven't done comedy since February 1st, 2020. That That's the day I turned 50. For real? <laughs> yeah. Well, congrats. February 1st. Yeah. <laughs> 2020. That was the last good birthday I'll ever have. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, I did. I did one show back in I think it was July or August, and I, I did a Zoom show, and that was fun. It's like 
I was anti Zoom shows. I'm like, ah, that's not going to work. You know, all these people, hey, you want to do a Zoom show? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. And then I agreed to one because it was just, it was just too juicy. It was like uh, Sean Parrott was like, hey, do you want to do a Zoom show? I'm like, no. He's like, it's 15 minutes for a hundred dollars. I'll do, I'll do a Zoom <laughs> show. That's. <laughs> I don't know. It's not often I can make four, basically four hundred dollars an hour doing things. So, yeah, I'll, I did it, and it was like super fun. And then it was like no more opportunity. To do. All the ones I turned down just are gone. Like nobody cares anymore. It's like a fun thing back in the summer. Yeah, when it was new. <laughs> yeah, and it was great. I, I had a good time doing it. I didn't think I would. I thought I would hate it. Yeah, I feel the same way. I haven't done any Zoom shows, but it's not necessarily about hating it per se. It's just it's just so far removed from what I know as stand up comedy that I just I don't feel like I could even come close to getting comfortable. No matter how many laughs I would get, I just feel like fucking stupid telling yeah. jokes in my bedroom or some shit. <laughs> just that's what right. I thought. That's what I thought too. I was like, this is going to, cause basically I was doing jokes where I work all day, like from a same desk where I work. <laughs> and it, it was, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe we need to set up a zoom show and try it. Maybe. I mean, it is if you can make, four, <laughs> if you can make $400 an hour doing zoom comedy, would you do I'd it? I do it. I could okay. be I could be uncomfortable for a hundred bucks with fifteen minutes of being uncomfortable. That works for me. <laughs> now the one thing the one thing I guess I made it sound better than it was because hundred bucks. I did have to sit through Sean Parrott's set and Renard Hirsch. I had to watch both of those guys, right, so that so was that's a lot. That was yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> really made it not worth it at all. Really. <laughs> What a ripoff. <laughs> Can we bump that up to a hundred bucks for every 15 minutes of other people you watch? Also? Right. I, I actually, I'm going to send Sean an invoice for $300. <laughs> he's got it. The parrot is rolling in it. Oh yeah. He's, he's huge, man. He's got all that podcast money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's on like eight I think, podcasts. <laughs> I think he's the only person not making any money from social media. <laughs> Everybody else is getting rich, <laughs> but him. That's a good time. Is what? What do you have about a million listeners on this? Or you, do you know? Do you keep track of that stuff? Yeah, I got a couple thousand listeners on it. Okay, so far. It seems like a pretty popular podcast. Yeah, it's fun, man. We're in thirteen yeah. countries now. Any of them in the Norwegian area? That we do have people in in, okay. in Norway. And in uh, Switzerland. Okay. Maybe they can um, text you and tell you how to say my last name. Because <laughs> I'm still not sure. That's right. This is a, this this podcast is brought to you by Ancestry.com. Um, <laughs> if you're listening and your last name is Anison or Nunson or something similar, and you live in a very cold climate, please hit us up. Let's, let's figure out who Mark's people are. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why I have three N's in my last name. I mean, that's just weird. You don't need that many N's in a name. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, you end up with a free house in Tennessee if you can prove. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you can learn how to spell his last name on on his deed, it's yours. <laughs> yeah, if you know how it's misspelled on the deed, you're, you're in. <laughs> 
here's a hint. There's on the misspelling. There's eight N's. There's, <laughs> and seventeen vowels. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, the old um, Canadians um, goalie John Van Breesbrook. He had. Yeah, yeah, one of the few last names in the world that has all the vowels in it. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit. <laughs> that would ruin my life. Like, <laughs> at least he had hockey, right? You know, he was he, he, there's people with that last name. That's the that's their that's their personality is that I've got all the vowels in my name. And they're like an accountant. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact they, about they, me, I have all the vowels in my last name. <laughs> One of eight in the known universe. <laughs> just like, yeah, I'd hate to go on a Tinder date with that somebody with that last name. That's all they're going to talk about. <laughs> like, don't, don't you have any cats we can discuss on this? <laughs> How many cats do you have? Do you have any animals in the house? Yeah, I, I, no, I don't believe in that at all. It's like... <laughs> You know, I think once those animals got off the ark, just that they're outdoor animals at that point. There's no reason to have any living animal in your home. I can't, why, why would you have an animal in your house? Like, what good is that? Some people are lonely and they need a pet. Oh, I'm lonely as hell, but you just, you know. You got Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, the internet, you know. That's where I get my happiness from. Well, you know, you can't cuddle with Hulu. Oh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a, I've got a, uh, a Roku made out of like flesh, like, like, like sex doll flesh. They, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to write that down. I'm gonna. I, it, I think at some point we'll we'll probably get a dog. We just. My wife just has to understand that it's she's going to have to do all the work. Is once she gets her head around, she's got to do all the work. I would love to have a dog. And then you say but y'all have been married for almost thirty years. That's a long time. Twenty nine to get a dog. Well, you know, we're never. <laughs> at first, we were never home, so we're like, well, that's not fair to a dog because right. I was never home, and she's she works four days a week, and she's like never home. You know, she's just like gone from sun sun up to sundown four days a week. So it's like, that's not fair to a dog to just live, just exist in loneliness till we're ready to play with them. You know? Uh, so, you know, as we work less hours, we'll probably get like a little yappy thing. The retirement. I feel you. I, Cause I've always felt that way about like people having children. Like when you're young, it's just like a thing you do. And you, you think, you know, you're supposed to do that. But like, the older you get, especially when you don't have children, like I don't have any children, but I don't want any. But like, like once you get into your twenties, if you make it to your thirties without children, you know you start to look at it like, I think only retired people should be able to have children. Like I've got <laughs> right. shit. Right, it doesn't to do. make any sense. <laughs> like I always so, think about it. It seems like like when you see people having children late in life, it's like, yeah, that's. That's yeah. Wait till you're fucking forty five. Like that's when it's just unfortunate. Like that's like the older you get, the worse chance you have of having a job. But it's like yeah, that's when you need to be having it. Like your child hits middle school, you're fifty seven. Like yeah, that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we don't have any kids. We'd never. We just didn't want kids. Why? Why would I have something in my house that I'm not married to? That's what I. 
<laughs> I need, I need. If you're going to live here, I need to be able to either evict you or divorce you. I don't want anything that I'm tied to. That's just too much of a commitment. But uh, yeah, my brother had it, his first kid. He was 36, I think, when he had his daughter. I'm like that's just you know, it's borderline. I don't know. I don't know if that's too old, too young. You know. But you just think of all the money you're saving by not having kids. That's, yeah, man, that's that's really a, a blast. Like, yeah, when you see people not doing things because of the children, and, and then you see, like the money that they're having to spend on things that don't make them happy. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fucked up. <laughs> that is very fucked up. <laughs> it, it's funny now. My wife will come home from work and she's tired. She's like, I don't know how people with kids do this. I'm like. <laughs> She's like, what, what if we had a kid? I'm like, if we had a kid, it would be like 23 years old by now. It wouldn't matter. It's not like you'd have a three-year-old you're coming home to take care of. You're, you're an old woman. Yeah, it's the yeah, best, We'd have man. grandkids by now. Yeah, like talking that, that to was friends the thing with that... children is like, it's really an eye-opener when you're like, yeah, I'm about to go. You want to go do this and that? And they're just like, I can't. And there's just so much pain in their face. When like they can't even stay another thirty minutes for one more beer because yeah, no, it's something like, dealing with the kid and they look so dejected. It's like eight twenty and they're like, "I really, I really need, I need to put Tucker down." You know? <laughs> Dolores put Tucker down the last two nights. I, if I don't do it tonight, I'm in big time trouble. This is like you have fun with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't imagine putting somebody else's priorities ahead of mine. Like that's especially somebody you, who can't repay you for that. Yeah, it, it's only going to cost you money. Yeah, that's if, how I think about kids a lot. It's like I don't really want to make all those sacrifices for somebody who can't appreciate it and can't do the same for me in return. Like even once, like not once can you go to your seven year old like I've, I'm really in a bind right now. <laughs> I don't mean to throw all the things I've been doing for you in your face, but like, I really, really, really need you to cover for me in this situation. And like, they can't do shit. Yeah, they're just helpless. I don't know if people say this to you. They say like, well, when you get old, who's going to take care of you? There's no, I ain't taking care of anybody's parents. I mean, I, there's no guarantee that your kid's going to take care of you just just because you're old and you can't. Right. Yeah. That's and most people yeah. don't even live to see that situation. Like right, most people yeah. get old enough to die of natural causes, like they're not usually decrepit. They're just here today and they're gone tomorrow. You're like he was 76, he seemed to be pretty cool. He just died because he was old. Like I don't really know a lot of people who have to yeah. take care of somebody that much. Yeah, I'm going to raise a kid for 18 years minimum. A lot of these kids, you you take care of them until they're 25, 26, just so for six months to take care of you when you're when you're 84 years old. Like we're even, right? Yeah. <laughs> the math doesn't come out on that one for me, no, man. No, fuck that. So we lost. You lost all your listeners for having a bland comic. Now. Dog lovers are gone. Kid, people with kids are gone. But the people you got left, they're going to be really dedicated. These are the this. these this are my people this. right here. No kids, you know, do whatever they want. Have a little extra money in their pocket. Yeah, yeah. 
this is my kind of podcast. This is this is where it's at. I'm like Alex Jones, you know. I start saying <laughs> crazy shit, and then once the smoke clears, the people to the left are down 100%, and that's all I need. <laughs> Yeah, because those people, they will put their life on the line for you. They will believe anything you you tell them. That's what I'm looking for, you know. You, I'm pretty sure David Koresh would have had a lot more followers. He was just a Baptist preacher. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's, it's quality, not quantity. That's true, And the people that still that have kids and are still following you, those kids are now just crisis actors. They're no longer their children. They're just crisis acting children. Yeah. Nobody understands what we're saying more than people who do have children. They're the one amen in this shit the most. <laughs> they're like they're so jealous of us right now. Everybody with they children wish... only tell you to have children when you're when they're in a group of people. But when you're just talking to somebody with kids by yourself, they're like, "Don't ever fucking have kids." I've, <laughs> I've had that conversation with friends. Like, they'll always preface it by saying, "I love my kids. I wouldn't change anything." But, but, uh, I wish I could do what you're doing right now. Every single time. <laughs> And but but here's the thing that sucks with all that free time. I'm go I'm going to open mic comedy shows. <laughs> it's not really maybe not. I'm 51 years old and I'm I'm going to open mic shows because I don't have any children to raise. What a waste. <laughs> well, you know, listen. There's a downside to everything. <laughs> So how, do do we talk much like? And I'm, I apologize. I don't listen. I don't. I don't listen to anybody's. Pod, I'm not a podcast guy. <laughs> I listen to Carl Carl Roberts. You know that cat? I listen to his CR three. Yeah, it's it's really short. I like that. <laughs> and he can't go a podcast. He mentions me a lot on his podcast, so I gotta I gotta keep up. Make sure I'm you know. That's the only podcast him. I listen to. Yeah, I mean, I'm just keeping him in line, right? <laughs> But uh, do you talk a lot about like comedy and like like the ins and outs of comedy, or are we? I mean, sometimes it depends on who I'm talking to. We kind of just talk about you know whatever comes up. Because you know we've done shows together, but I've never really talked to you one on one. It's always been like, hey, after the show, there's five right. of us hanging around and just you know cutting somebody up, right? Yeah, or that's just cool. hanging I mean, out, broken record it, show. Man. Because I remember the first time I saw you do comedy, like I had no, I had no frame of reference. Like, right. I, it's just somebody's like, "Oh, Narado's here." He, it was at the East Room. It was, it was, I think it was just an open mic. I don't think it was a book show. And I think you were new in town at the time. It was the first time I ever saw you. And I was like, "Oh, okay." And dude, I just, I just lost it. I was like, "Oh, here, this guy doesn't care. He just gets up there. He's, <laughs> he is in his own. He is his own." thing like there's nothing like to compare them to and then seeing you at the broken record shows that was my favorite thing just because i would always like come in at like five o'clock in the morning right and uh and you were already on stage for i don't know how long i walk in you, you were on stage you might have been on stage for two three hours i don't know how long it was i catch an hour of your set of you i'm like this is like the coolest thing because you can't do that hour anywhere else not that i know of right i mean you're not going to do it in a comedy club, but it's just like its own unique thing. So you've always been one of my favorite guys. You know, I haven't seen you a ton, 
Like I always loved watching your sets. And I was there. This is one of the funniest things ever. The morning where Dwayne Duke was on stage and he mentioned that his aunt called him Dukey Cupcakes. And you you're in the audience and you lost it. It had to be like four thirty in the morning. And you lost it. And from that point on the rest of the week, everything was Dukey Cupcakes. And it was just it was the funniest thing. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah. I appreciate it. And what made it better was how much how much he hated it. You know? He laughed at first. Between him telling us his name was Dookie Cupcakes and him telling us that he wore gayest freshman in high school. <laughs> that is the funniest thing in the world to me. That he dick sucking his ninth grader. <laughs> That is the funniest shit in the world to me. And in all boys high school. Like, you know how gay you gotta be. <laughs> to win the world like that. And all boys Wait, high I, didn't, is, I didn't know he was really gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He beat out, he beat out some real winners. <laughs> to win that. He earned it. He earned it. <laughs> Shout out to Dookie Cupcakes. <laughs> Is he listening? Do you think he's listening? Probably so. I've had him on the show. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to go back. Did you get into Dookie Cupcakes? <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen. Dookie okay. Cup, we got into that. And an award he won. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <Our gayest> freshman. <laughs> Here's the thing. Who won? How come he didn't win it his sophomore year? I mean, he seems like he peaked early on that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he didn't want to talk about that. You know, maybe he could have been like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right, he was like 13 when he won that award. Hey, you, know? you know, four-time yeah. national champion. <laughs> he could have swept it all through high school. But yeah, just you don't want to win it your freshman year and then just lose three years in a row. He was a prodigy. <laughs> maybe he did. He told me he had sex with some women, so maybe that's what he was oh, still yeah? confused okay. and figured it out. So he, he won gay as freshman. And then spent three years as the straightest man in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that he could, he could play both ways, if you will. <laughs> like three and D, you know? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I keep trying to take a sip of this water, but I better not. Oh, oh man. my gosh, that's uh, funny. I I always liked your comedy too because you were. It's very rare for me to like a comedian that also does music in their act. Because oh, okay. Like like you you and Maria Tucker, like. <laughs> Cause like I like when cause like I I die a little bit inside when I see a comedian go on stage and then pull out like a fucking guitar. It just makes me want to fucking shoot myself. I'll be honest, I do too. Fucking I face. Because most comics who do music, and by most I mean like ninety nine point nine percent, like they do that because like they suck at telling jokes and they suck as a fucking songwriter and musician. And so they decided, like, I'm marginal at both. Uh, maybe if I put them both together, that would be two halves of one whole. And it's like, <laughs> no, it just makes it even worse. But 
you manage to actually I, I have that. some musical talent and some comedic talent. And it's like you're not a person who chose to do musical comedy because you suck at doing anything else. It's like you just, I'm good at both and I combined them. Cause I, cause I swear to God, dude, like I fucking leave the room so fast when somebody's about to do music on stage. But I always stay when you're up there. <laughs> I I appreciate that. I I don't like musical comedy myself, especially those guys with their guitar and they play like a whole intro to a song. <laughs> like, what? just do jokes. Just why are you playing a whole intro to a song? Especially like, some stupid the, ass song where you fucking sing old mcdonald but talk about him having whores on the farm or some shit right or or you're doing a song parody like we already know the song you have to do just do the chorus where you make fun of it right but yeah you know i didn't do music in comedy for a long time because i really don't enjoy it but i was like i'm gonna do it my way because one i can't i'm not that great of a musician like i i can fiddle around and you know i'm not very trained but I don't like I do most of them are improv songs like we're making the stuff up on the spot right and it and the the worse I do the funnier it is sometimes like sometimes <laughs> I'm just I can't make up a good song and I, just, and I fail and I just revel in that failure where I think the difference is most people who do musical comedy not all but a lot of the guys who do they're up there because well I'm not that good at comedy but I want to show you how good I am at the guitar right. so Right, I may not be that funny, but watch, watch me do some riffs, <laughs> and uh, it's like, look, dude, your ego. Nobody's here to see your ego. Just, people just want to to music row and just yeah, go to the songwriters night, but they can't. <laughs> yeah, go to the Bluebird or wherever. Is that the place? The Bluebird. I've never been to. The, I've been in Nashville twenty five years. I've never been to the Bluebird. I'm not going to the Bluebird. I don't need. I don't need to go to some strip mall to hear somebody who's never going to make it. You know, and once every six years, Dave Grohl will show up and jam. It's great. What are the odds of being there that night? It's like zero percent chance you're going to be there the night. Dave Grohl shows up. Waiters. Yeah, yeah. You're getting Mandy from accounting. I don't know. Which is ironic because as much as Nashville is known for like being the center of the country music universe and it really cares and plays up to that reputation like when you're when you actually live in nashville you don't meet country musicians like i've met so many people in nashville in the last seven years who are in bands and shit i've never met anybody that does country music ever well you know when i first moved here i was selling shoes for a living that was my gig, and I met so many country music people. I like the Statler Brothers, mm-hmm. like the one that died not too long ago the, the, with the deep voice. He was like my regular guy. He'd come in, and he was like white Reebok high tops, ten and a half. He's gonna buy however many pair I have. He's gonna buy every single. <laughs> he'd walk in and he would just wave at me. I'd go back and get three pair of ten and a half white high top Reeboks. See you in six months. But like I met a lot of country stars, like uh, Billy Ray Cyrus and mm-hmm. a- uh, Alan Jackson. Yeah, you meet uh, the stars. I've met yeah, country meet- music stars, but nobody I know who's in town and they're like, I'm in a band. Never met anybody who's in the country music industry. So actually, I so you know where I met a bunch of them when I was playing soccer at the Y. I played in this um, 
co-ed Y League, mm-hmm. and a lot of these people who were in town trying to do country music uh, were playing in these leagues. And I met a lot of like people who none of them really made it, made it, but some of them have had some success mm-hmm. that I've played, you know, played soccer with. And uh, I kind of I met these people and we talk, and they started inviting me out to these writers' nights, like the in the round shows. Yeah, and, and I would do comedy at those. <laughs> and it was terrible. It was horrible, but it so it made me get better at comedy. It made me actually, if a joke worked there at these shows, I bombed so much at these shows. But if I ever had like a joke or two work there, then it was going to work anywhere. Yeah, that's true. So, because these people that go to these things, it's all about like how they look and who's going to be there, who's going to be seen. You know, a lot of these people had different kinds of deals going on or were studio musicians. Right. So it it was like a kind of a, you know, not like a who's who in Nashville, but you didn't know Mm -hmm. how successful some of these people were going to be, or this is like, they were trying to do that right thing. But man, some of those writers, those writers in the round things, those are terrible. (laughs) Where there's like five guys up there playing the same song, and, and it's just—I mean, you I don't see like the same when, thing in comedy. You know, sometimes you go to the open mic and you and you see somebody who has chosen comedy. Comedy hasn't chosen them, and they think it's something that you can just get good at because you want to and don't have any talent already. And it's just like, dude, you can keep coming in here for months on there telling those same six jokes. You gotta go get another hobby, my man. Like this is not for you. <laughs> the thing that sucks about comedy, at least like these musicians, they have to at least know how to play a couple chords, right? Right? They have to they have to be able to put on a tight pair of jeans and a, and a flashy shirt. <laughs> There's no prerequisite. Like all you need to do is show up with a pencil. At seven forty-five, right? Name on the list. If if you can put your name in, almost legible, you can get up and do five minutes of comedy at any open mic. Yeah, and it's it's like a place for people who they they struck out everywhere else. It's definitely like a for people who played <laughs> out in this world. And I love that's one of the things I love about it. Like these people had no, they're like maybe they're twenty-five. But up until year 24, they never had any real friends. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, if they do okay at these open mics, now they ha- now they have friends. They're in a clique now. Right. A whole community. <laughs> like, like, I found my people. It's like in that um, that blind melon with the little the little bee girl. You know, she's all the <laughs> and those gates open. That little chunky bee girl goes in with all the other bees. I don't know. You might be too young to remember that video, but. That that's like these guys who stumble on open mic comedy and and get a couple laughs. That's a fact, buddy. Like comedy, yeah. You meet a lot of people who come in and they don't have any other friends. Like they just fall into the comedy scene and they're just hooked and they're in it all the way and they never show up with another person. It's like so you're just here, <laughs> right. you're yeah. just here to keep from killing yourself, which is fine. But it's right. always Stay a alive. weird situation to find yourself in when you see somebody. Cause like you even see that with people in the audience, like you see some people who are at every fucking show, but they're not friends with any of the comics, and it's just like, how did comedy just become this rogues gallery and catch all for all of society? Like, yeah, like either doing comedy or just getting into comedy as an audience member is like the last step before somebody commits suicide, which is actually it's kind of beautiful, you know? Yeah, it's, we've saved lives. Yeah. 
I, I worry about those people who go to those comedy shows and and they've seen me and I'm doing the same material and they're just laughing as hard, like they're laughing like they never heard it before. I don't. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> you should not be laughing at this. This this is my same closer for four years. I don't change my closer. I do it every time, and you've laughed every time like you've never heard it before. Got yourself a fan. <laughs> you gotta see. You gotta talk bad about that person, and then one day you go drop that closer, and nobody laughs. You could be wondering where that motherfucker stalker I'm being, is. <laughs> I, I wish I wish Richard were here tonight. You know? yeah. Where's Richard? Yeah, comedy's wild, man. I've, I've like I've said that too about like all you need to do is sign up. Like that's something that like brings the art down for audiences because they right. meet people who tell them they're a comedian, and then, and then they go they're fucking horrible, and then when you show up. Like, hey, come back to the show. I'm a comedian. They're like, mm, I don't know. I met a comedian before, and that guy was the fucking worst. And it's because comedy's like like football or something. Like nobody's ever gonna tell you you didn't make the team in comedy, right? Exactly. And so you can just keep signing up and going up. It's no matter how bad you suck, because nobody's ever gonna try to stop you. And that really brings the quality down for everybody else. <gasps> One of the dumbest things I did when I first started doing comedy, I invited everybody to come out. Oh, big mistake. Luckily, <laughs> I, I went, my first set went really well. It, it did. I, I've got it on tape. It was a buddy of mine tape. I had like 40 people there. It went pretty well. But subsequent sets, and I kept inviting people out, didn't go. Like it. <laughs> and then it went to... Those people would never come see me do comedy again. I mean, that was 15, 16 years ago. And they're like, we saw we saw it. And, you know, I was really bad back then. And I'm not great now, but I want I, just one time I want one of those people to show up to a show. I'm like, look, I stuck with it. I got better. That's a classic Ricky mistake, man. I always try to tell people, like, how, how do I get into comedy? Like, listen, what you want to do is... You want to go to a couple open mics by yourself. Yep. Go watch three, four open mics over a couple of weeks so you can get the rhythm, see if you want to do it. Then when you come to do comedy for the first time, do not bring anybody and do not get hammered before you go on stage. Matter of fact, where were you? I needed you. (laughs) Where were you in the early 2000s? (laughs) Yeah. Don't ever do that shit. Go watch a couple shows by yourself, come perform by yourself, come and perform a couple times by yourself before you start inviting people. <laughs> and if I could go all the way back, I would not use my name. Not that I know how to spell it or pronounce it. Like We're still in the dark on that. But I would have come up with a different name. Now we could always keep that life separate, right? Because there's no chance you're really going to make it. Nobody, there's only a few people that make it, make it right. Right. And, uh, you know, chances are you're, if you're trying open mic comedy and you have a day job, use a different name. That way when, when future <laughs> employers go Google and you, they don't go, oh, look at, look at this acid bombed at the East room in 2018. Do we really want him in charge of our digital marketing program? Yeah. See, that's one of the secrets to why you come by yourself when you first start. Cause what if you go 
fucking do terrible for two, three weeks and decide you never want to do comedy again. Now right. you're known in the circles that you brought to the show as the world's worst comedian and you would never live that shit down. And then when, and then when some new person hears about it, they're making fun of you. Like, so when do you do comedy? That was like six years ago. <laughs> that that right there is actually what... So I, I did comedy in 2001 and did a few open mics and, and gave it a try and then I stopped doing it. I was like, okay, enough. But at work, I had to give um, these trainings every month and the guy I did it with, he'd be like, oh, this is Mark. He's a stand-up comedian. I was like, I've done three open mics at this point. So he'd always introduce me to all these clients and but like, yeah, I did, you know, I did Zanies twice and I did this show one time. It, it, but it got to the point where that was like three years in between. <laughs> And you're still the resident funny guy. And I was still like, the I comedian. <laughs> I I had to go back out and do it. So, but there was some guy I worked with that knew I did comedy three years ago. He's like, hey, I've been writing some jokes. It's like, okay, yeah, I guess I can look at him. I did three open mics. You know? All right, I'm the expert. <laughs> right. Let's in this company, opinion on this. <laughs> I am the best stand-up comedian in this entire company. <laughs> But we started going to open mics together. I was like, okay, let's, all right, screw it. Let's just try it. Everybody's already calling me a comedian. <laughs> so we went out and we went to, like, we started writing together, working on it like four or five weeks in a row. And then this dude just disappeared. Like, he was just like, right. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going to open mics every week by myself now, not really knowing anybody. And it's like, oh, well, I guess, I guess I'm friends with Chad Ride now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he just left you on the island. Huh? <laughs> he just let let me go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Where'd you Good move times, from? Man. So I lived before here. I lived in Dallas for mm. a few years. I went to college at University of North Texas, and oh. my family had moved. Yeah, the, the, the mean Eagles, man. Green. Mean Green. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Stone Cold Steve Austin played football. That's right. That's right. He did. And Mean Joe Green. That's why they call them. They just when I was there it was the the Eagles, North Texas Golden Eagles, or something like. I didn't go to any games. I was not interested in any. I was, I was, I was not smart, Rod. I was twenty. I got married at twenty one. I had like two full time jobs. Went to school. I didn't have. I didn't go to any sporting events. I didn't do anything. I just got my degree and left. <laughs> That's so why I, I, I didn't make like comedy so hard. This is you're finally getting to party and hang out and have friends. It, it was funny because <laughs> I never in college I didn't drink at all. I just didn't have time. My my job was driving the school bus, so like I couldn't like party the night before <laughs> and then drive a school bus the next day. I, I mean, I would crash that bus sober. You know, I, I had to go pee in a cup a couple times, crash that thing sober. Imagine if I was doing it with a hangover. I don't know why they would give a 21 year old a, a, a license to drive, you know, high school kids around. It just, right. It's like these, some of these kids are just two, three years younger than me. Right. These, you know? Like this guy was a freshman my senior year, and now I'm taking him to school. <laughs> That's like staying staying school kids. You don't end up being a school school bus driver. And I was like the only one at this whole company that that wasn't my life. Like everybody else that worked there was like seventy years old. You know they were that that's they were school bus drivers. They were all in. I'm just like I'm just here. I'm here till I graduate college. 
And I graduated college a year later. I realized now I'm running a school bus. <laughs> like I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't have another job. I don't have another job. But if I don't quit this right now, I'm going to be 70 years old managing this bus depot with five buses in Argyle, Texas. This is not the life I want to live. <laughs> Definitely different. <laughs> got out of there. Hey, but I grew up in New Jersey. So, so you're from yeah, New I'm, Jersey. I'm from New Jersey, right side of Philly. That's where I grew up. South, and then we, my family moved to Texas right at the time I was going to college. Cool. So, um, but yeah, I've been here 25 years. I moved to Nashville. I was 25, so almost 26 years now. And what made you? What made you try comedy? So I always wanted to do comedy. When I even like when I was 20 years old, I had jaw surgery, and I was home. Jaw I couldn't surgery. do anything. I had jaw, I PMJ. I wish it was cool. No, I was just born messed up. It's something in the family lineage of the inhuman sins that uh, I had like TMJ, mm. real bad TMJ. So I had to get screws in my jaw. So I was laid up for like a week. I couldn't do anything. And this is when Comedy Central, it wasn't even called Comedy Central, the Comedy Channel or Ha Network or something. Right. And all they did was play stand up. And I'm 20 years old sitting there just watching it. And I was like, this is so cool. I want to do this. Like they were just showing Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres and just stand up after stand up of like the eighties people. Paula this was like nine Paula Poundstone, yeah. It was like nineteen ninety, so it was like Stephen Wright. Uh it was just everybody who was big in the eighties was on Comedy Central. And so I bought that book, like uh now it's called the Comedy Bible, but it used to be called How to Do Stand Up Comedy or something right. like that. And I read the book and I'm like, Okay, now what? <laughs> I don't know. Like <laughs> I had no idea how to sign it for an open mic or, or whatever. And I always wanted to do it. I thought about it for a long time. And then years later, I was, you know, 31 years old. By this time, 11 years had passed. And some people I worked with, they're like, hey, we've been going to Zanies, and they have this open mic uh, and a sketch show. And some people at the open mic are funny, but you're way funnier than these people at the open mic. You should come out. like, Because I would always crack people up in meetings and just make fun of the bosses and what have you. So <laughs> I did that. I went out to an open mic and watched, and there's some really good comics. Um, you know, like Keith Alberts. I don't know if you all know him. Yeah, he was, I know him. he was, uh, he wasn't. He was like just starting to go on the road, and like I think he had just quit his day job at that point. It was like, okay, I'm committed. And Dan Whitehurst and Chad Ryden. Mm -hmm. He was there. Guys like that, and some of those guys who were, were really good, but there were some people that were just like. They had zero material. And I'm like, I can write whatever they're doing. I can sit down and write jokes and do that. And I tried to write jokes for like two or three weeks. And I couldn't come up with anything. And then finally I was lying in bed and I, I came up with my first joke and said, okay, I'm going to sign up. Instead of just going and watching, I'm now going to, I wrote one joke and I signed up. And brought 40 and, people. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I had a week. I thought I had a week. Um, to write more, I kept writing more jokes. Like I got this one, I'm going to write more. And I was, I think I was almost ready to do the show. My first stand-up show was supposed to be September 11th, 2001. <laughs> the only time Zanies has ever picked up the phone and called me was to cancel <laughs> that show. So luckily then I got like three or four more weeks. I, I actually wrote out what turned out to be about five minutes of material. Luckily, and I did okay. Luckily, and it invited 40 people. 
I never yeah, thought I, I'd hear the Americans say, thank God for Osama bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Taliban saved my comedy career. <laughs> but yeah, All what if do Allah. <laughs> what if 9-11 didn't happen and I went up and I just totally bombed that night because I had one joke? <laughs> That would have happened. Most people are looking to come up with a tight five minutes. You came up with a tight five seconds. <laughs> You're just going to go on stage, introduce yourself, tell one joke, and then say goodnight. <laughs> but then, in swoops, like Superman, in swoops, Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> he saved you that day. <laughs> You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Osama Bin Laden in the town. I would have never met you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I don't think we're allowed to laugh as hard as this, right? <laughs> That's funny, man. I, I never thought of it that way. They bombed, so I didn't have to. <laughs> That's right. That's it. He's your personal savior. They bombed, so I didn't have to. <laughs> well, he did some awful things. I will agree to that. But I got to tell you, something like saved my life. <laughs> Don't know what the last 20 years of my life would have looked like if it wasn't for Osama Bin Laden. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. <laughs> <laughs> One good thing came out of those towers going down. <laughs> oh man, you can't. We can't publish this. This is. We're gonna get on a list. You're gonna get me if I'm on a list. I'm first of all I'm gonna be homeless and on a list. I won't be able to get on an airplane, and I don't have anywhere to live. We can't fly anywhere oh, because man. of the pandemic anyway. <laughs> And evictions, it's, they're talking about postponing evictions. You're good. Oh, they are going to postpone those? First, Osama Bin Laden saved you and then some bat from Wuhan. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it, but I'm the luckiest man alive. From the darkness rises the sun. <laughs> silver linings. That's what, that's what life is all about, silver linings. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> so why'd you oh. quit doing comedy you said you did it and then yeah, you I, stopped so I felt like I wanted to try it and I did it and it, it was fun and then it just like it was like I felt like that was just like a, okay it was a bucket list check it off I didn't know people were going to keep bringing it up for three more years <laughs> And uh, if my buddy probably, if he never would have said, hey, I'm thinking about doing comedy, right. you know, take a look at this. Let's go together. I probably would have never went back to it. Yeah. And then I started going and I wasn't doing, I, I wasn't doing great. And I realized, hey, this is hard. I have to actually work at this if I want to get better. And I was like, well, if I put in this much work, I'm just going to stick with it. Yeah. That's why I see a lot of people that, you know, especially my age, like I haven't made it in comedy. Sure. I've performed at comedy clubs and I've gotten to work with, you know, some famous comedians. Got a hundred bucks with 15 minutes on. <laughs> that's right. Right. Yeah. 50, yeah, $400 an hour. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
I've just I've put too much in to quit. Mm-hmm. I haven't put enough in to be successful, right. but I put too much in to quit. So I'll just do it. A lot of people I know go like, I, I quit comedy. I don't do that anymore. I'm like, well, you know, to what, do what? what? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? You're staying home and watching Netflix. <laughs> you know, go out. I, I enjoy the whole process of writing jokes and. It's amazing to write something on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and then walk on stage and say it and people laugh at it. It's like, yeah. I know not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I, you know, I didn't realize how special that was until years after doing comedy. It just kind of like, you know, it's like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool as shit. It's the best. It, it really is. And when it's going well, it, there, there, nothing beats it. Like when you're having a great set, it's just. And the thing I hate is I'm always having a great set when I get like a six minute spot, and I'm like, man, how come? How can I have thirty minutes tonight? I could do thirty tonight. It's I get booked to do thirty minutes, and like three minutes in, I'm like looking at my watch, going, oh my gosh, this. I, maybe the I should. Where it'd be burn ward? Like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like those are the nights that stink but uh i love bombing bombing is fun i mean if you can't have fun when you're bombing then you you shouldn't do comedy i think that's the funniest a comedian can ever be i love watching people bomb man like i like it's not even like schadenfreude like i just think that's fucking hilarious i don't i think somebody bombing for five minutes is better than any hour richard Pryor has ever done <laughs> Like I, uh, when somebody's bombing, like when somebody's really fucking like giving it there, all like, it looks like they're in like a fucking like a dress rehearsal. Like when somebody's <laughs> on stage really getting into it, and every punchline ends with crickets. My God, I'd never laugh harder in my life. <laughs> especially, especially if you're at a comedy club. That's just, I just love sitting in the back of Zanies and your buddy's on stage and it's not going well, but the only person they can hear laughing is like the two or three comics in the back and the two in the head, like high pitched laugh. And sometimes, sometimes that helps the comic because other people hear you laugh and it, it triggers, but sometimes the comic's doing so bad that no amount of laughter from the back is, even, <laughs> they're not going to get any sympathy laughs. Oh God. That's the best, man. That's the funniest shit in the world. That's what I live for, is to watch other comics bomb. (laughs) Yeah, because like like bombing at a comedy club is not like bombing anywhere else. That that comedy club silence is personal. Like, it feels very angry. Because those people have spent their money. And (laughs) even if they got in for free, it's like, I didn't come out here and spend $56 on food and drinks for you to be on stage being awful. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God, it's so, it's so harsh in there. You, it's palpable. Like, you can feel it in the air. When people are not laughing at you at the comedy club, man, it's like they want to just punch you in the fucking face with a fucking <laughs> hammer. <laughs> I, no amount of working out could be, have the amount of sweat I have on my back when I'm bombing <laughs> on a comedy club. Like, just, you can feel your shirt just getting wet and sticking to you. <laughs> But there's nothing like bombing and then somehow at the end of your set, like getting out of it. I, one time I got the chance to open for uh, Kostaki Economopolis. You know that dude? You ever yeah. heard of him? <laughs> so a buddy of mine hooked me up with him. We did this show in Clarksville and it was just a two man show. I had to do like 35 minutes. 
and I was pretty excited. And there's no no MC. I just had to go up there and do 35, and then he was gonna do like 40 or something like that, 45. And for the first 25 minutes, like I bombed as hard as I've ever bombed. Like I tried every joke, I tried everything, <laughs> and then with the, with about 10 minutes left in my set, this couple and this is in some bar in Clarksville. Some couple orders some champagne at this bar, like a bottle of champagne, and they bring it out. And I just make, I just make fun of, like, them, how big of a night they're making. It's like, <laughs> I don't remember what I said, but like, I just start all of a sudden out of nowhere. I'm crushing it because I'm making fun of them for drinking champagne while I'm up there bombing. And you know, how, how is this night so special? And, you know, that this guy would spend eleven dollars on a bottle of champagne at this shithole, you know. Yeah, they call and then I, <laughs> I win the audience back and just riffing for 10 minutes. Just the, the material is gone. I can't go back to material. They hated it. So I'm just like, I'm on the champagne. I'm looking at my watch. I'm doing the champagne stuff for 10 minutes and, and then I close. Everybody goes crazy. It's like the, like I won the best feeling. And then Kostaki goes up and he starts doing material and the audience hates it. I'm like, that feeling was just like, Oh man! Not only did I bomb, I just made it impossible for him to follow me with material. <laughs> and he just for forty minutes, he just he just he'd been doing enough shows that he just went through his forty minute act. And it, it didn't matter to him if the audience came. He just like all right, I, he just put put it on cruise control and just plowed through, and everybody hated it. Yeah, that might be the but, best kind of bomb is watching a professional. Like just stick to the script. It's just like like when they they come out in the first minute of forty, and it's like these people hate my material, but I've got thirty nine more minutes of it. I'm sorry. This is this is what this is all I know. <laughs> my, the very first feature set I had was exactly that. I I was so brand. I had no business doing thirty minutes, and I did thir- and I did okay. Like I got through it. People laughed. It was like. You know, good set. Okay, okay. And then the next comic that got up, like he did, like two jokes. And he's just like, "Oh, it's gonna be one of those nights." And he just—he had been doing it a long time, and he just, man, he just—he just—he was mad at me. He was mad at them. He was mad. He was mad at everybody. And he was mad at me before the show because he was asking me, like, "No, who do you work?" This was a comedy zone, my first comedy zone gig, and he was asking me, "Oh, you know, what other comedy zones do you do?" And I'm like. I, I haven't done any. <laughs> Who have you worked with? Like, you know, I started throwing out people from Nashville. Oh yeah, I think I, I think I know that guy. <laughs> I'm like, I did everything. I didn't tell him this was my first feature set. I did everything but that. <laughs> he just grilled me with fifty quid. He he was he already didn't like me before the show. <laughs> he was mad after. He stole his thunder. And, and I wasn't that good, but he, the audience, man, they hated that guy. <laughs> That's too bad for him. What was your worst bomb? Or what, what was oh. the worst show you ever did? Even if you did bomb, what's just the worst show so, you've ever been a part of? I've been part of a lot of really bad shows, <laughs> but the worst, the worst I ever bombed, I was. It was. Um, There's a. Do you remember when Jazz and Jokes was here and they had their own? Yeah, I, I think Jazz and Jokes was closing by the okay. time I got to Nashville, but I had heard about it before that. Yeah, be- before they had their own place, they would do like a, a sh- like just shows at different venues. 
So I got on it. It was a Friday show and a Saturday show. And again, Clark's, I drove out to Clarksville, the Friday show, get all the way out there. It's canceled. So there I go. It will pay it. No, two people showed up. They gave me my money. I left. And then Saturday I show up to whatever venue they were at that night. And, uh, like, okay, you got to do 20 minutes. And the place was packed. There was way more people that could fit in there than should have been able to fit in there. And it was packed. And the first comic went up and just, just looked at MC. He was probably supposed to do like five minutes and just get the show rolling. He did like 25 minutes and he just destroyed for 25 minutes and the place was going crazy. And then they bring up this, you know, me, you know, the one white dude in the room and I, and I'm stupid. I'm like, I love black audiences and I've done well with all black audiences before, but I went up there that night and that was not the night they were interested in in anything I had to talk about. Like, I was getting booed. Like, somebody was having a birthday party. Like, this was their birthday night, and they decided during my set, that's when they're going to celebrate the birthday. Like, they're going to surprise. So she came in during my set where I'm bombing, and it was like a surprise <laughs> birthday party for her. They're, like, having a birthday party here. And then other people are getting mad because I'm terrible. And other people get mad because the birthday party is having a good time, and they're distracting the show. <laughs> and I just... I was just like, that's my, I was supposed to do, I think I was supposed to do 15 at that point. I did like five, <laughs> the longest five minutes of my life. Nobody laughed. I even tried to do crowd work. I'm like, let me try some crowd work. There was no, not tonight. And then I get to the back and I was like, the, the, the dude who booked it, AG, he was a good guy. He never booked me again after that, <laughs> but <laughs> he paid me right after my set. And he said, you don't have to stay till the end. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, all right. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and leave now. <laughs> There's no point in me being here. Wow. But those are the times where you think, like, it's like, man, I thought I was pretty good. I was thought I was pretty good at comedy. And it's not that night you're not. <laughs> yeah, but I hate, fair. like, right before the... Right before the pandemic, I there was a show at the East Room. It was like a book show. Carl and uh, Evan had the show, uh, Two Chongs or whatever, mm-hmm. their show. And they they were kind enough to give me a set on there, and I just bombed. Like, everybody killed that night. <laughs> I just bombed. <laughs> I bombed for 10 minutes straight on a show where the audience was hot and every other comic <laughs> killed. <laughs> and then pandemic. What, what, so, so you went out on a low note. <laughs> I did do one show after that that was really good, but you don't remember that one. That was my second to last show was at the East Room. That's it, a lonely feeling. Did the only comic that bombs in a hot show? Like, yeah, what do you think it was? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just maybe I really sucked bad that night. I don't know. <laughs> I might have been I might have been a little too cocky too. I might have thought like, oh yeah, this is like the first two comics went up just did really well, and maybe I just maybe I took it for granted. You know, that I was just going to kill. But I did my best jokes. Like, I may have opened up with a, a, something new, but then when I saw I wasn't getting a reaction, I was like, let me just go to my best material. <laughs> not not a peep. Not a peep. <laughs> it was bad. I should have left. I, I ended up staying and watching the rest of the show, which... Because I kept thinking, well, maybe somebody else will bomb. There's like eight comics on this thing. I'm like the third comic up. Like maybe somebody will have a bad it, no it just kept getting better and better the whole night just, you gotta take it personal at that point I'm like well 
I don't know. <laughs> like, is this a, a practical joke? Is that you guys set me up? Why, why does everybody hate me, but everybody else was fucking getting standard ovations? <laughs> <laughs> if it was a practical joke, that it would have been a good one. I would. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe I'm too old. I mean, sometimes like the audience was really young. I mean, maybe they just. Uh, did not care. They could tell, like, this guy's, nah, we don't, some old fat white dude, we don't want to hear what he has to say. I mean, I don't think that's what it was. I mean, you don't look like an old dude. Like, it'd be different if you had, like, some big bushy gray beard and just, <laughs> like, a gray hair that you don't do anything with. You don't look like an old man. Maybe they could just feel that I was old. <laughs> just giving off real strong dad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been, I might have been 49. <laughs> I might have not even been 50 at the time. No, I just turned 50, I think. Maybe I was depressed. I don't know. But I've had a lot of bombs. A lot of bombs. <laughs> no, nothing like bombing, man. I I love to do it. It's a good time. It can be. It can be a very good time. Especially if you like don't give a fuck. I right. like seeing comics that attack the audience when they do that. I think Joe. I think Joe. Joe Kelly's talked about like you know like if I'm going down, I'm taking everybody else down with me. It's just like he's like I don't ever try to win an audience back. I just try to make them hate me more. That that's when you Joe's jokes. You thought Joe was disgusting before when he's doing a good set. When he's not doing well, man, those jokes get even ten times dirtier. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. Like, Fuck you! I'm just gonna keep digging until the hole's big enough for all of us. <laughs> but it's funny you do comedy long enough, and I thought it's funny because I thought I got to a point where like not doing well didn't bother me, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, it doesn't bother. But then you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and then you go, okay, now I'm at the point. Of I thought before I was at the point, but it did bother me. It, you have to. You have to have like a second, you know, awakening before you really get to the point. Because you get to the point where you're lying to yourself. Yeah, it doesn't bother me that I'm bombing. Like a lot, I think a lot of comics are fooled into thinking it doesn't bother them. But you really have to bomb. You have to go past that point and just bomb even harder and just realize, oh, you know, everything is okay. Like if I did that, if I bombed as bad as I did at Jazz and Jokes, if I had that show. Next week, I had to do that show. I would have got off stage. I would have went to the back. I would have ordered a beer and some chicken tenders, and I would have stayed and watched the rest of the show and shook hands for people walking out the door because I, I really don't care at this. At that point, though, I was so relieved I got to leave. So that's, I guess, I don't know. We all have to deal with that. I guess it happens. That is, yeah, like you. Like you don't really truly like reach the the true level of bombing until you can bomb, come off stage, and nobody in the audience comes up to you and says, "I liked it." <laughs> like even when nobody laughs, somebody will come up to you after the show and be like, "Man, you were funny," and you're yeah. thinking, "I didn't hear you laughing," but you're just like, "Thanks for saying that," even if they're lying. But you you know you truly reached the the depths. The lowest depths of bombing when nobody comes up to you after the show and even tries to make you feel better by lying and saying, "Man, that was hilarious." <laughs> yeah, they just 
I like so the way Zanies is set up. I like especially on nights where I bomb. Like, I always like to go to the back and see the audience leave, even if I have a good set or I bomb. But I really like it if I don't do well because then people try and have that little awkward conversation. <laughs> oh, you know, there might be somebody like the main guy is selling merch, and then you're just kind of hanging out with them, and they're like, oh, they keep their head down until they get to the headliner. And like, oh yeah, you were great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, taking a lot of pictures that night of people. You know, Can you get a picture of me? <laughs> right. It's like I was on the show too. Like, let yeah, me get a picture with all the comedians. You take it. Like I will, I'm a fucking comedian. <laughs> I, I think the thing that is the worst. So even when you have good sets, like people, they don't really remember. You know, I remember one time I did. It was like a showcase thing at the bar car, and I won the showcase on a Tuesday night had a great set. I was feeling good about my set. Everything was going great. And the next day I went to lunch with a friend at a place called Nashville. And the person that waited on me, she was at the show last, the night before in the front row. I recognized her. And she comes to take our order. I'm just sitting there smiling like, Hey, how are you doing? Like I recognize her. She had no idea who I was. She takes our order and walks away. I'm like, that I am so I I've never been so mad in my life. I'm like You gotta stay humble. That was a lesson in staying humble. I was like nine hours ago you watched me ho- hoist a golden fresca in the air because I won that was the best of eight comics on this showcase in a bar that nobody cares about. But you were in the front row for this. <laughs> Yeah, you just—it's hard to get any kind of love or respect it's when a you're a comic. Job. It really is. You have to love it to do it. There's like ten people who get the respect they deserve in the whole industry, and everybody else sucks. And then there's a whole other group of people to get way more love than they should. They deserve none of it. And there's all the rest of us who just can't even get remembered the next night. How am I recognizing audience members? I was up there, wor- I was up there, killing, doing my art, destroying it, my craft, and I recognize the the server. I'm still mad about that. That was like 2006. I see. I'm still, still I'm still mad. I didn't come out of retirement for this shit, lady. <laughs> You know, lady, I was off for th- I, I was away from comedy for three years before I won this showcase. You're going to show me some respect. Oh god, that is excellent. Good times, man. Good times. Good fucking times. You reminded me of why I got into comedy. Just regular life isn't humiliating enough. <laughs> Are you looking forward to, to comedy coming back? I am. Like, I really you're am. Not, you're not going to be one of those people that quits because a lot of us have been talking to like, you know, we foresee like a lot of people not coming back. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people are going to take this opportunity to just not do comedy again. I think so. I think a lot of people will just move on and be like, hey, I picked up, you know, now I'm a, a producer. You know, now <laughs> You know, I went out and bought Pro Tools during the pandemic, and now I make beats. You know, and that's fine. You know, yeah. I think the unfortunate think we, thing is going to be that it's the people who quit aren't going to be the people who need to quit or that you well, want to quit. <laughs> and I hope nobody's listening 
no other comics listening, but the people who are doing comedy now during all through the pandemic, they're like loving this. So getting so much stage time at, at these shows that shouldn't be happening. And it's when things open people up, who couldn't get stage time when the pandemic was ahead. Those people right. jumped at these opportunities. Look, I'm at the lowest level of comedy, but when this thing opens back up, those gigs are mine. Those crappy gigs, <laughs> those fifteen dollars sets where you're there for three hours and you spend more in beer than you make. I'm taking those back. <laughs> you hear that, Mark? The nonsense coming for you. I'll be at Twin Cakes 3, Twin Cakes 4, <laughs> Twin Cakes 5. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been writing a lot of material during the pandemic. So we do a – if you ever want to join us, we, on Monday nights we do like a writer's uh, group thing mm-hmm. online just on Google Hangouts. Uh, you know, it's every week it's me, Sean Parrott, Patrick Devine, Cody Marley comes on a lot, a lot of other comics. We just – share the jokes we wrote that week or just end up making fun of each other. Yeah. See, I haven't written any jokes in this, in this year off. Like, cause I write, I don't ever write jokes from scratch. Like all the jokes I write come from experience or, you know, like the things I read and things like that. And it's like, I've written in the last year, I've written like six jokes. Cause for the most part, nothing's happening there's no news yeah. there's nothing new. everything you can write a joke about now that's in the news the only place you can tell that joke is on social media because like like tiger woods was just in his accident like whatever joke you come up with you can't take that to the stage uh june 2022 when comedy <laughs> comes back like he's gonna it's been a year he's gonna be fully recovered by then like you just gotta put that shit on twitter and go about your business so i've written that's like true. six yeah. fucking jokes that are that could be topical at any point yeah. in time because yeah, there's nothing. It's just coronavirus politics, and like I say, anything that pops up is just like yeah, say that shit on Facebook and go on about your business because there's no open mic next week to go to. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I can see that because you you do your material is very self oriented. Things you're going through at the time, so yeah, I can I can see that about you. No, but I mean, like, we're being on a hangout just to hang out. <laughs> yeah, you're, it'd be great to have you. If anything, just to make fun of Patrick Devine and Sean Perry for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I do miss roast the host. Yeah, like, I, that I one's too late for when me. When I went, it was like the only nobody was roasting the host. I made it my business to go on that stage and just fucking tear Sean a new asshole. <laughs> Because nobody would go on stage and say anything. They wouldn't even acknowledge him as the host. Nobody was even, like, giving up for Sean Parrott when he brought him on. And I was like, I thought this was about roasting the shit out of Sean Parrott. Nobody's cracked a joke. I just sat there and just roasted the shit out of Sean. I didn't even face the audience. I just roasted his ass from a corner of the stage all night. I was like, this isn't fun if y'all not going to participate. Fuck it, I'm going to roast his ass. That one... That one started way too late for me. You know, it was like, you like have to, ten o'clock on Mondays. Yeah, it starts at ten o'clock. <laughs> I went to it for, when I was working on my comedy CD. I went to it like every week for like five or six weeks, just so I could get stage time. And I was like, "This is this is too much. This is not like I'm up there just like, huh? It's too late for on a Monday. I can do it on a Friday, Saturday." But on Monday at ten o'clock, <laughs> come on! How, you know how how bad does Third Coast comedy hate stand up to do an <laughs> open mic at ten o'clock on a Monday? 
It's, man, you got to get in where you fit in. <laughs> They'd never have an improv show at that time. <laughs> well, they're biased against, against stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and also, people do pay to go see an improv show. No, nobody's paying to go to roast the host. Yeah, that, this is true. Like I love, I love Third Coast. Shout out to Luke and the boys. Yeah, Third Coast is great. I love it. I, I like making fun of it a little too. But like I, they, I teach comedy classes for Third Coast. For real? Yeah, stand up comedy classes. Like you said, like people will pay to go to improv and they weren't paying for roast the host. But you know, something else that's weird about improv is that it is home to the hottest girls in the audience. Oh yeah, uh, probably in all of entertainment, like <laughs> like, a, like a comedy show. Even if it's packed to the gills, it's not going to be a lot of girls. There'll be a couple girls that are cute. Right. You're probably hovering about. Even if you want to be a Neanderthal about it and put it on a scale of one to ten, you're probably averaging a six or seven. About twenty six percent of the females in the audience. You go to a fucking improv show. It looks like Guns N' Roses is performing at the Hollywood Bowl in '88. Like it is just filled with. It looks like a model call. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't get it. I don't get it. So we did. Um, Brad Edwards and I had a show called Jokey Mod that was once a month on a Saturday night, and it was after an improv show. And the people that we'd sit there wait for them to leave the theater, and it's like. All, even the men were good looking. I mean, <laughs> why is everybody so hot? And on nights on nights where you didn't sell a lot of tickets, which happened a lot, all those people were invited to come to see Jokey Mon. No, none of them stayed. You, they all had you somewhere stand else up to after be. improv show. You lose like eighty percent of the audience. Yeah, but you can stay for free. They're like, we're not staying for free. <laughs> we just had a good time for forty dollars. We don't want to have. A good time for free. <laughs> right. I got my money's worth. Yeah. Don't need a bonus. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful women, man. They cannot get enough of fucking improv. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This world doesn't make any sense, man. <laughs> Plug that CD, it... dude. Tell the people I didn't get that CD. Oh, it's streaming everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music. It's called Go Britney by Mark Anunson. It's been out for a few years, so we need to probably write some new material. Is this an ode to Britney Spears? This is this a tribute? So, um. It's back in the news right now because of that documentary showing how horrible people have treated her since 1999. That, I do feel bad about that. But, uh, so, obviously, it sounds like your podcast that I don't listen to, you didn't listen to my CD rod, so. <laughs> Part of the shtick I do in the CD is trying to come up with a name the whole time because I didn't have a name for it. So during the show, we're coming up with a name, and we come up with the name Go Britney, and there is a reference to Britney Spears <laughs> in, in the CD. And it's really stupid how the whole thing came. I should have not have named it Go Britney, and I should have cut that whole part. I, I, there's no reason to leave that whole section in there. <laughs> but I did, I did. I left it in there, and it's not great, but... Um, but yeah, it's, there's a Britney Spears reference in there. Yeah, I like that CD. I like your comedy. I like. I Thank like you, it sir. All. I can dig it. When are you gonna do another one? I gotta put one out, man. That's that was yes. my plan for last year, and then I and then you know the pandemic hit. So that's that's my big plan for when we come back, probably at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. I want to drop a. I want to do a CD. I need to do one. Where are you gonna uh, record it? 
Oh, I'm sure I recorded in Nashville. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let you open. I would love. I'd be honored. And I'll I'd make sure. Honored. I'll make sure I put some other comics on the show who don't mind picking up the slack if you decide to do five of your fifteen <laughs> minutes because you're bombing. I'll make sure somebody else gets that extra ten. <laughs> I have a good. I'm a good opener for recording your CD. I'll tell you that I am. That's I'm the guy you want to get the audience going. I did Sean Parrott's CD. I opened for him and somebody else. I don't remember. A couple other people that the CD didn't do very well. I don't think. But I, I did great. <laughs> but yeah, you should do it at Third Coast. And we, I even have a guy who, you know, I'll hook you up with that does it for a good price. Cool. Well, will yeah. he, can he get it put out in less than eight years? Because I know so <laughs> yes. many people who record CDs. And then it's like almost a decade where they're like, hey, my debut CD. I'm like, we recorded that shit in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Friends, why? Why are these friends jokes not going over so well now? <laughs> friends was still on the air when you recorded that. Yeah, it's something about recording the comedy CD, man. It's got it's got to be like I don't know if it takes a lot more to produce. Unfortunately, Phil Spector is dead now, but you know a lot of people. No, record this guy, comedy CD. Like we got to work on this shit for six years before we can put it out. <laughs> He'll turn it around fast, and he and he really enjoys comedy. So yeah, I think it took him like two weeks to get mine done. Good deal. Yeah. So when comedy comes back, that will be the highlight of 2021 or 22, whenever it happens for me, is to to do a show with you at Third Coast. Third Coast. Recording your CD. It's gonna be a blast. I might do it new. <laughs> well, we got to do a DVD. We got to do a DVD. <laughs> That'll work for me, man. Well, it's been great talking to you. This is man. awesome, yeah. I, I hadn't laughed that hard in a long time, Fantastic, and I appreciate it. It's fun. Osama Bin Laden saving your life is right up there with Duke <laughs> Cupcakes. I'm not going to ever forget that shit. And it comes awesome, out September 11th and counts the show. So luckily for me, I had another couple <laughs> weeks because of this fucking national tragedy. <laughs> So, so oh much. man, I'm terrible. <laughs> you came out of 9-11 thinking about how it bought you a little extra time to get your jokes <laughs> together for your debut set and not about 3,000 lives long. <laughs> I'm so lucky that they ran those planes into the towers because they bought me another two weeks to get, the, get my set together, man. I mean, whew. you know what I mean? How many times I wished... Another plane would crash to a, a building in America so I can get some more time to work on some things. <laughs> oh, man. Tell the That's people where they much. can find you online, man. So, at Ye Old Walrus on Twitter. That's the best place. Just follow me on Twitter. Nothing else matters. Or, um, Hashtag Great Tweet Mark. Great Tweet Mark, yeah. <laughs> And uh, if you do go on Facebook and you want to follow my band, it's B I Z R Q. Berserk is my band. Mm-hmm. What kind Don't of band do that. is this? What What do you do? What? So I do. Uh, it's It's a duo. So it's, a guy it's non-comedy? was comedy. It's non comedy. I was in a. The songs are weird, but not <laughs> it's not stand up. So I was in a, like a heavy metal band in college, and then me and this the guitar player stayed in touch. So I do all the drums, the bass, the beats. And the vocals, and he sends me guitar parts, and mix them, and we just—we're totally online band. We've never played live. <laughs> we just put out—we put out a, a record a couple months ago, eight songs. In the beginning of the pandemic, 
we put out like an EP. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess more towards August. So we've been putting out music. Have you thought about doing electronic house and dance music? Because Daft Punk has just retired. You guys can yeah, take you know, <laughs> we do a lot of vocoders and robot kind of voice stuff. We we have a Daft Punk vibe to us Feel that on the music I make. I'm ready. <laughs> well, appreciate you joining the show, bro. Thanks so much, Rod. Yeah, well, have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you laughed. I hope you smiled. I hope you learned something. Hope it put you in a good mood. Or if you're already in a good mood, hope it put you in a better mood. Um, had a lot of fun. Big shout out to all my guests and telling some great stories. It's a real good time, man. Anyway, uh, you know, check back in with us soon. We'll have a all new episode going. I want you to know I love you, and I, I hope you love yourself and, and love everybody else. The number to the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. The number to the Trans Lifeline is 1-877-565-8860. Hit them up if you you need to talk about some things or something's troubling you. Hell, hit me up. I don't really sleep. So the sun comes up like a vampire. So hit your boy up, man. If you got my number, call me. You know, when you need to talk. Text me. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Hit me up on Instagram. Whatever. You can email me at rodforshort at gmail.com. And if you, you're feeling generous, hit your boy with a donation on the Cash App. That's Cash Tag. Dollar sign Rod for short R O D number four S H O R T. Hit me up on Venmo at Norado Moore. And uh, I think that'll do it, man. I'll let you.